Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're here. It's great to have you with us. We're here, but I don't see any you man down the hall. I don't see any Risho. Yeah, I don't see any Tim McKernan. Don't yeah. see any. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't see any Remy and, and Casey down there. WIL. I don't, I don't see any Courtney show. We're the, we're here. Right in the you, Hubbard Radio you, hallway. Do you think they're up listening to us? No or- chance. <laughs> no chance. No, they're they're gonna wait a while before they're up. So yeah, we'll we'll see them in 2023. But it's great to have you with us. It's 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's the voice of uh, one Super Bowl champion, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is also here. We got a fun show for you. We're here until 11 because. Tim McKernan took the week off. Uh, we're going to talk to John Kelly later in the show. We're going to talk some blues with Jeremy Rutherford. The Blues play tonight against the Blackhawks. 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Always fun to have Chicago in town. And I don't know about you, Kerry, but I kind of feel bad for the Blackhawks and their fans because it just no. has not been a great run for them of late. They have the worst record in the National Hockey League. So I've, I'm, I'm, I feel bad for the Blackhawks. I don't. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not a pity party type of guy. I don't care if someone is down, Randy, and you and they're your rival. You kick them. You don't. You don't extend the hand to help them up. The Mizzou kid that got fussed at by his teammate yep, for yep. trying to help. Exactly. He's down. You put him down. Leave him down. Walk away. So Roy Green always said. That when a DB came to help him up, he said, "I knew I had him." <laughs> he was he was yep. on his team. We, we're yep. working together. Yep. You want right. me to get up? I, I'm gonna keep getting up and keep doing this to you. Kick them while they're down. You know, not, kids don't. Well, kids aren't in school. They're not listening. Just yeah. you know, metaphorically, kick them while yeah, they're right, down. Yeah, yeah. It also doesn't help that like. The, the most likely chance that they draft Connor Bedard if they have the worst record in the league and he's currently tearing up the World Junior Championship. So in this moment, I'm like, you know what? You guys are about to get another world beater and just to replace Kane and Tave. So boo-hoo. Yeah, and you know the league will set it up. Well, you know what? The league might set it up so that Anaheim gets the first pick too. <laughs> A little conspiracy theory here. I would. You know, you Early in the morning. I love draft lottery conspiracy theories. I'm here for it. All right, I know I like you it. are, Rock. You, you do love... The, the conspiracy theories. I, I specifically draft lottery. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, you 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 enjoy that. Such Randy, a, you know it's such wish. an easy way to manipulate the league, <laughs> especially people... in those leagues when the top three are always world beaters or almost always world beaters and change teams. I wish people could hear our off air conversation because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we go we, we go yeah it, we, <laughs> just the off air topics. We just go in and go. We have some some some. 
interesting ideas. We went from Billy White Shoes Johnson, best nicknames, to worst players of all time, just in a matter of like five minutes. Uh, so we'll take you behind the curtain a little bit. After our show every day, we go into the office and we put together tomorrow's show. And I sat yesterday, literally for an hour, pounding out today's show. Well, Carrie and Rock argued, they didn't debate. They argued basketball literally for an hour. 90s centers versus 2020 centers, and I do not think I was wrong. We were having different arguments. That's all I know. We, we were, were we were, arguments. We were we were saying two different things, but we were we were steadfast in our in our belief that our guys would kick the other That's guys' not butt. What I was awesome. saying. See, this is Carrie does it again. Just completely mis well misrepresenting okay. my argument. If, if you're driving down the road, just know this. Know this. That Matthew Rocchio th- thinks that in this day and age, that Akeem Olajuwon would just be another guy. No, <laughs> that is the exact opposite. He didn't of what say I that. Said. It, compared I said, to Joachim Noah, I said he, no. I said Patrick Ewing. I said, said, I said Patrick Ewing would be just another guy. I said Akeem Olajuwon would be maybe even more dominant than he was. He did say that. Okay. I, I give you that. How about Mizzou last night? They roll number 19 Kentucky 89-75. That's two major wins in a row. We talked about yesterday what a statement it could be for the Tigers if they could beat Kentucky. They led for the last 37 minutes of the game. Kentucky's only lead was at 3-2, three, three minutes in. They built the lead to 20 late, and they improved to 12-1 on the season. Kentucky falls to 8-4. and four. And what a crowd, by the way, at Mizzou Arena. 15,061. It was a full house. John Calipari coached Cal talking about Dennis Gates and the Mizzou program. He's done a great job. What he's done is he's put in a, a formula that this team, this is how they will succeed the way they're playing. We need to steal some baskets. So we're gonna fly it ahead. In, in the first half, they got 10 transition baskets on us, or 10 points. Um, you know, we had our share too, but that's one of the things he's doing. And then they're being aggressive with the press and cutting into your time in the half court. Um, and he's okay if you're getting shots off. So, and you know, if someone makes them, it, they'll probably play different. The zone, um, we knew and we had worked because he has done it most games where at some point he just, all right, we're going zone and we're playing it. He's done a great job. What he- that is John Calipari and as our friend Steve Savard would say, the SEC is a snootful because Mizzou is off until next Wednesday when they play number nine, Arkansas. Then later on in the season, they get number eight, Alabama. They get number 21, Mississippi State. They get number seven, Tennessee. They get number 20, Auburn. The, the conference is just loaded, but this is the most competitive Mizzou has been in a long, long time. Yeah, to, to we talked about it. Being able to beat, you know, Kentucky may not be what they have been. They don't have, in my opinion, the stars, the five-star guys that you knew were going straight to the NBA after after one season, as they have in the past. But they're still Kentucky. They're still they were still the number nineteen team in the country, and to go in. In the back-to-back games, beat Illinois, who was number 16, beat Kentucky, uh, that was number 19. They should be ranked come the end of this week. Yep. And going into Arkansas next week, they should be able to have an opportunity to to take care of that and win that game. I talked about it yesterday. The pace that they play at, the pace that they play with, is hard for, for some other teams to keep up with. I, we were talking about it off air, and we, we brought up Nolan Richardson mm-hmm. and the Razorbacks from, from years ago, 40 minutes of hell. Just they, were, they played at a frenetic pace where they were just all over you and you could not get anything going. And this, this 
Tigers team seems to be uh, of that mode. As Calipari said, they they're gonna press you. They're gonna if you make a shot, cool. If you don't, even better. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like whatever. Like, yeah. but they're gonna pe- play at their pace and play fast. And it's a it's it's a shock to other team system systems when they get out there on the court. You can watch it in film. You can watch it on on TV and and think that you're prepared for it. But when you have a team that is pressing, flying around, and playing with that much energy for 40 minutes, it's hard to to beat that team. Meanwhile, the Fighting Illini will play Bethune-Cookman tonight. I always thought, CD, if I were a college basketball coach, I wouldn't schedule a team that doesn't help me get to the NCAA tournament. I agree. Uh, uh, Bethune-Cookman might make the NCAA tournament. I don't know how good they are, but they just don't seem to me to be a team that you schedule two or three years ahead of time where you say, okay, that win will help me. And so and everybody does it. Every every good team does it, right? They've got the blood donors. But I, I would prefer as a fan to see that team. I'd, I'd rather suffer a good loss than have a bad win. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know how, how this all, you know, is planned out in terms of, who you play and how much you pay teams to travel and play, come play you. Uh, but you know, I guess it's an opportunity for Bethune Cookman to come in. I think you know, right now they're 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 being talked about in the in a in a high mm-hmm. in a highlight because of because of uh, Ed Reed going there. I think that's the only chance they have <laughs> is if Ed Reed suits up and gets out <laughs> right. there and helps play. Right. But uh, you know, it's it's. It's how college sports work. Yeah. They there are teams that come in and, as you said, become blown blood donor programs and and just are there to get their money and then go back home after they get beat up on. Bowl games yesterday, there were a couple of good ones. Matthew, did you one away in there? Uh, Bethune Cookman right now rated uh, three forty five out of three sixty three in Ken Palm. There you yeah, go. They're probably okay. not going. Probably not to the tournament. Eh, maybe not. Uh, the military bowl yesterday in Annapolis. Duke rolls Central Florida thirty to thirteen. Liberty Bowl was great in Memphis. Triple overtime. Arkansas over KU. 55-53, so Kansas rallies from a 38-13 deficit late in the third quarter. They tie it at 38 with a touchdown and a two-point conversion with 41 seconds remaining. In the second overtime, Kansas scored a touchdown but failed on the two-point try, but a targeting call against Arkansas gave them another chance. They converted to send it to a third overtime, but the rule now is in triple overtime. You just go from the two-yard yeah. line. Arkansas got theirs. KU didn't get theirs, and Arkansas wins at 55-53. Yeah, I don't like that rule I don't either. either. I think that's a ridiculous rule. That makes it, it, it. I think Illinois played an eight-overtime game, or it was someone played an eight-overtime game a few years ago. It, it was. I hate that going from the two-yard line. Just, Play football. Yeah, well, if you know what? We could just do and kick it. We yeah. could just have settle it on kicks. Oh, some some sports do that, don't they? Yeah, there's yeah. a particular sport that decides to the win biggest play, game. the biggest game of the world in the world. The kicks. ends on so penalty just, kicks. Just have your kicker just yeah. blast it through the uprights. Whoever got the best kicker wins the game. But here's yeah. another. <laughs> here's another six and six team going yeah. into the. But you know what I thought about when I when I because you know I have to get my my Mizzou shots in. I thought about this when I was watching. KU play and I was like, oh, maybe that's why they didn't want to play. Yeah, okay, I was thinking you. the same thing. Man, maybe that's why they they chose not to play KU and wanted to play earlier. And by the way, congratulations to the KU fans because they showed up. There were a ton of Kansas fans in Memphis. You know, there are some programs that just you know, but it, it, it's an easier it's it's easier to get to Memphis than Tampa. I'm well, sure. It, it, Mizzou should have gone, especially if, if with the, had way, the opportunity. They should have gone, especially with the way flights are going. You can drive. Yeah, right. No Memphis. doubt. Yeah. The Holiday Bowl in San Diego, Oregon over North Carolina, 28-27. Bo Nix, a six-yard touchdown pass to Chase Cota with 19 seconds left. That wins it for Oregon. That was another good that game. That was a really good game. The kid, Bucky Irvin, uh, a kid from Chicago, mm-hmm. 
at which I'm watching him run the football and wondering why he's not in orange and blue, clearly. Yep. Uh, but he, that was a very good football game. They were back and forth. There was a big interception. The uh, the kid from North Carolina kicked it to himself mm-hmm. uh, and then May uh, threw, a, threw a big touchdown to play ne- the next play. But that was, by the that way, was May is good. Forth. He is he's really good. He is really good. He's only a redshirt freshman. Yeah, yeah. He's got another year under him. He, he'll be one of the top picks coming out in uh, 2024. No doubt about it. So Oregon wins that one over Carolina in 28-27. And in the Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas Tech over Ole Miss, the final there was 42 to 25. The Bulls schedule today because we always have Bulls. You know what? I don't know if the December 29th is a great Bulls schedule or not. Let me double check here for you. I thought there was a day where it was kind of. Uh, they don't have. It's no games no, today. No bowl games yep. today. That's just. I got terrible. a day off. Uh, Maryland's playing on Friday. I get to watch one of my former players. Offensive oh, lineman. That'll be good. What's his name? Kyle Long. Kyle Long. We'll yeah. keep an eye on him. Maybe he gets an opportunity to get in there and. You know, push some people around. There you go. So we're off and running here on the opening drive on December 28th, December 29th, 2022. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We're going to play Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Text to the Air Comfort Service text line 657804. Sick of it. And Carrie, Matthew, and I all have ours. CD, sometimes you can be a fan of uh, something and still get sick of it, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan of Southwest Airlines, but oh. I'm sick of it. Listen, this is bad. It, mm-hmm. It's really bad. Like, yeah. it, it is, there are. You, you see, you're seeing videos of people being at airports for numbers of hours and not being able to fly home or fly to to their family for the holidays. It's a uh, it's it's really bad. I don't know how it got to this point. I don't know what needs to be done to fix it. Uh, but it's having having a rippling effect for other airlines as well, that, yeah. where they're having to cancel flights because they just don't have enough pilots or enough planes because of what Southwest has done. They, they Get it together, Southwest. Right, yeah. Run your business. You've yeah. always run it well. Start, start running it well again. There was a woman, I guess from here, who was supposed to get married in Belize this weekend, Friday oh. or Saturday. And they can't get her a flight until Monday. Ooh. So uh, she's going to miss out on her wedding. That's Thank you, Southwest. Awful. Yeah. Want to get away? <laughs> <laughs> they do right now. They want to get away from it all, I'm sure. <laughs> Randy, you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of front offices in the NFL. I say that because of how they meddle in terms of with, with the quarterback situation, with the quarterback play. Derek Carr, uh, a quarterback that they have essentially told, okay, have fun, see you later, bye-bye, and he's taking his own leave of absence because they benched him. Why did they bench him, Randy? Because he's owed $33 million if he gets injured in an NFL game and they don't want to have to pay him that money for next year. You also have a situation with Carson Wentz. The, the Washington Commanders, we're playing pretty well with Taylor Heineke. Now, not not great, but we've seen the Carson Wentz movie time and time again. We know what that's going to what that what the outcome is going to be. We understand that he's probably not going to win you any games and you're probably not going to make the playoffs and Ron Rivera is probably going to get fired. You also have the Zach Wilson situation which I'm sure the front office told them when Mike White got hurt, "Hey, put him back in." I don't know why you would put Zach Wilson in the game other than he was your second pick overall because I'd have put Joe Flacco mm-hmm. in the game before I let my uh, Zach Wilson get back into the game after watching what he did. The front offices, if you are a head coach, 
you have to have something within you to not be swayed, not be moved. And it may cost you your job, but you know what else is going to cost you your job? Starting Zach Wilson, starting yep. Carson Wentz, starting whomever is the backup quarterback to Derek Carr. That's going to cost you your job as well. And if you're a head coach other than Jeff Saturday, knowing what we know, because Jim Irsay is the worst about this, right? He 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 basically last year after the season did a video next to his plane and basically fired Carson Wentz. Then. Not that he didn't deserve it, but right. he's the guy that decides who the quarterback is. Yeah, the, a couple of things. Number one, has there ever been a more telegraphed move than Tom Brady to the Raiders next year? Yeah, going back to Josh McDaniels. Mm. That might be a move. Right? I, mean, that, I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's a move. I, I feel bad for Derek Carr. I feel bad I for Devontae Adams because yeah, you signed yeah. this contract leaving the quarterback that you thought was going to be done in a year or two, feeling that you were going to with going back to with your your, your college room, college teammate, um, and be able to have, you know, that sustained success for a number of years and now he's gonna be out the door. It's it's football. You you get paid a good you get paid a good amount of money, but it is real life, and people lose their jobs every single day. And we know that it is a lot of money, but I don't know who Derek Carr's agent is. How do you sign a hundred and twenty one million dollar contract in April that only guarantees you five point six million if you get cut within three days after the Super Bowl? That's ridiculous. That's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, he, he they did something backwards. They probably yeah. probably didn't have much fear of of. You know, getting caught. Getting caught. <laughs> not, not, a, not a worry at all. No, he's going to. Yeah. All right, Matthew, what do we got? I'm sick of people who put up their Christmas decorations on November, November 1st, then take them down on December 26th, and then ask me why mine are up since Christmas is quote-unquote over. You should never, it. Yeah, you should never ask that question. Now, everybody has their own right to do it whenever they want, and however heavy they want to have their Christmas decorations. You know, if, if you want to go uh, all Christmas vacation, cool. Is there a time limit? Because I have a neighbor that leaves their lights up until February. Yeah, I would say that there is a time limit. Okay. I would say mid-January <laughs> is just, generally. Now, I, am I'm I talking gonna, like mid to yeah. late February, yeah, like Valentine's almost Day. March. Yeah. yeah, Valentine's Day, the lights are still up. Yeah. No, in the past. Uh, out, see, it's different if it's outside and it's cold. Now, the inside tree comes, tree's got to come down, come down by right. mid-January. But if you have, it's super cold and you have bad weather like we've had the last few days, if it's that, that way for a month, then I kind of get it. I got you. Yeah. Uh, sick of it. People using turn lanes as a merging lane, doing 40 miles per hour, and then slowing down once they get in front of you. It's unbelievable. Ring the bell. Oh, my God. That is that is one of my biggest pet peeves in the entire world. There are times, Randy, and, and I don't know if you feel this way, Rock, that I feel that we should just have bumper cars. Just, 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 just to give you a little, mm-hmm. hey, but bumper, like, you know, bumper cars, you, you're safe, safe-ish. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And bump into the back of them and say, hey, get out of the way. Yeah. But nobody has to call insurance. Nobody has any damage to their car. No one is harmed. No one is hurt. Just a little just a little nudge. You know, they do that swap a little paint in, 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 in NASCAR. <laughs> it's not racing. It's not racing if it's not rubbing. Uh, all right. So how about this one? How about the person that's driving 46 miles an hour in the right lane as you're trying to get onto the highway? Oh, God. But, Okay, and you're, you're you're on the entrance ramp, so you're going 46 miles an hour, and they won't change. They're going to slow down to let you in there, going to speed up to, to let you in. They're just going to let you sit there and run off the side of the road. That is, that is, you want to see uh, uh, blackout rage yep. from me? That, oh, yeah. that will, that will, especially if I have the children in the car yep. with me and you won't let me over. And by the <laughs> way, would you say it's worse 
Worse than going 46 in the right lane is doing 69 miles an hour in the right lane. <laughs> I mean, get over. Get get over. Get, you got three other lanes. Get over. <laughs> or at least have the presence of mind if you're gonna if you're gonna be going a little bit faster in the right lane to not be doing it right when there's an on ramp mm-hmm. because yeah. that's going to cause a lot of problems for people. The the thing with the with the the turn lanes that people use as merging lanes and when people turn into them and then when you don't immediately let them in they start like trying to like get in front of you uh-huh. and I'm just like I'm sorry I, and listen I know this isn't a responsible response and I know that and then when it happens I, I chide myself but as soon as that happens my first response is to just go full star and be like you think I'm gonna let you in there ain't no chance and again I know I'm wrong I know it's immature I can't stop it myself. It is an, an immediate sometimes, response. Sometimes yeah. it's, a, it's a requirement. Sometimes you have to be. And oh, by the way, sometimes it's the people who design the roads. We've got a Trader Joe's right up here next to our uh-huh. thing. And like 50 yards ahead of Trader Joe's entrance is a light, a red yeah. light. So sometimes you have no choice but to screw things up. Yeah. Because there's a group of people that are in line for Trader <laughs> Joe's try, and yeah. then a bunch of people yeah. that are also trying to turn yeah. left on Craig Road. And it's just, and I get that it was designed after Trader Joe's was uh, before Trader Jones Joe's was there and was busy. It's just really frustrating at times. Yeah. Sick of the Battlehawks in the XFL. Santa was hoping for their help with single game tickets to put under the tree, but no luck. Come on, the season starts in two months. We got two months. Come on, XFL.com slash tickets. You'll have your ticket there on February whatever t- Come on, this is simple. You, you get a little card. You like po- yeah. you put like the, the logo on it. You say I O U, and it's got a little <laughs> thing that says two Battlehawks tickets. And it's not your fault, just Santa. Yeah. He, he works year round. He's not that lazy. Come on now, he, he, he can deliver them in exactly. February, right? Yep. Just get a little I O U from Santa. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, sick of the Stanley Cup winning players like Tarasenko finding new ways to lose games every single night. Oh, yeah, it does happen. Hey. Evidently, Tan and Kane and Taves are finding that too. Yeah. Again, we'll report, repeat. We feel bad for the Hawks. Nah, Worst we, record in the league. We don't feel bad for them, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of people at McDonald's drive through taking five minutes to decide what to order. Listen, Have you not been here before? Thank you. Listen to me. That might be one of the more, more infuriating things that you come across in life as well. When you're sitting in a fast food, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A does a pretty good job, but you have people that sit there, that sit there sometimes. Chick-fil-A, maybe you can give them a pass. No, no I can't. But McDonald's? <laughs> no, I can't. McDonald's has been around for... Eight, how long? How many years? 80 years? 90 years? Uh, since the 50s, yeah, right? 50s. So we, Is yeah. it only the 50s? Yeah, it's like yes. 50s. Yeah. Okay, so still long, 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 long enough. enough. Still like 60, the, the, 70 years. 60, 70 years. Look, I go to McDonald's maybe once a year. I know what the one through you, eight are. Everyone knows right? what you want. Number one's a Big want. Mac, right? Number two's yes. a quarter pounder with cheese. That's what you, you it's not hard. No. So when you get to that so menu. You can change the numbers like seven, eight years ago. You're on the new You're on the new system. You're good. Yes. When, you, when you sit there for five minutes. And have no clue, it is, it is, hey, hey, yeah, pal, yeah. pal, yeah. <laughs> let's it, go. It, so <laughs> It's fast food, not slow food. Carrie, so let's relate this to sports. You played in several NFL offenses. The easiest NFL offense is the digit offense, right? Mm-hmm. So Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, know your numbers. Know them, learn them, love them, live them. There you go. You do that, make life easier for everyone. Yep. I'm sick of Big Blue Nation. Missouri was 2-14 and 14 with a 125 winning percentage against Kentucky all-time. That happened to be the worst percentage against all 251 D1 teams Mizzou had played since 1950, but we got them now. Suck it, Big Blue. Mm. I thought they were talking about KU. 
Is that not, is, isn't no. that Big I thought Blue they were talking about Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were big blue. No, big blue's like that's that's all that's always been Kentucky. Am I yeah. wrong? Well, they are. Crazy? They are. No, um, it, it is big blue nation. Is it? Yeah. Isn't Michigan big blue? Is my my second choice was. Uh, they have a. That's the problem a with Randy thing. being mega mind is when he when he when he's sarcastic. No, I, I doubt I, I myself. Was being sarcastic. <laughs> when, you're, when you're sarcastic, I immediately doubt myself, Randy. I was no. like, damn, I'm wrong. A, a Mizzou fan would never call KU Big Blue Nation. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounded weird. That sounded weird coming out. When, it, when it hit my ears, I was like, okay, this is odd. This is very odd what you're trying there, to say. There's a hashtag for uh, uh, UK, though. <laughs> I'm sick of people that take seven practice swings before they hit the damn golf ball and then top it. Don't worry about it. You, you worry about yourself, No, that's the good thing, though. Sir? That's why I just don't take any practice swings. That when I top about- it, people can't be mad that I'm wasting their time. Sometimes you should take seven practice swings, but not over your ball at the tee. Like if, 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 you're, if you're next to the green and you're hitting out of the rough and you're hitting a, like a 56 or a 60-inch wedge, I can give you that. I'll, I'll do that. But no, not when you're at the tee. By the way, their hashtag is hashtag C-Blue. That was their recruiting campaign for students. You know, KU, or not KU, UK and Alabama and somebody else from the SEC they actually have full-time recruiters here on the ground in St. Louis. Really? Because one of the things that they wanted to do, like Kevin Wheeler's daughter wound up going to Alabama. Uh, my daughter, her second choice was Kentucky. And SEC schools want to enhance their academic standing. Mm-hmm. So they come to places where they have really good schools, like oh. St. Louis, like Chicago. And they actually have full-time recruiters on the ground. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So... Yeah, if you have a smart kid, they can wind up going to uh, an SEC school and being the smartest kid in the class. <laughs> Just what saying. Are you saying, Randy? Just saying. <laughs> He's saying some of those states are not uh, There's two academic. Uh, they, they're not. Again, with all due respect. <laughs> as long as you say that, then, you know, it's yeah. all good. I think there's two of them in the SEC in Mississippi. <laughs> also, I was just going to say, Big Ten, there's the one There's one Big Ten school that isn't AAU accredited. There are two total SEC schools that are AAU accredited. That they had to recruit from. And they had to, get, and they had to pull Mizzou in from the Big 12 to get number two. And the two. other one's Vandy, right? The other one's Vandy. Oh, my goodness. Well, the, now the Big Ten added Nebraska, and they were like, well, we'll have one. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. And by the way, what, uh, uh, if you're listening in Mississippi, our apologies. But what I'm saying to you, you Ole Miss people, because I know there's a lot of Ole Miss people and Mississippi State people in St. Louis, you were the smartest, right? You know that you were the smartest in your school. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Thursday night football, the Cowboys take on the Titans. Now, this is a must-win for the Titans. But what about the Cowboys? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thursday Night Football, the Cowboys visit the Titans. All right, you'd like to take care of your fans that bought tickets to a Thursday night game if you're Tennessee. But, Kerry Davis, you're Mike Variable tonight. Lay out the scenario in which you would play players. Um, there's no need to play the no. guys because, you know, next week is the game that matters versus the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. You have an opportunity here to get in, get some rest. It's a, it's a short week. I don't think uh, people don't always understand how hard it is to play on Thursday mm-hmm. nights, especially 
week 17 this is your body is is screaming at you at this point and it's it's there are there are days there are weeks where your body does not feel back to normal until thursday or friday so since this game doesn't matter whether you win or lose the next week's game versus the jacksonville jaguars is for the division that gets you into the playoffs or gets you sitting at home it makes the most sense to rest your guys and have, you know, maybe not have a Derrick Henry playing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have, you know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons playing because those guys need rest. Those guys are are your studs on offense and defense, and you need those guys to be well prepared for this Jacksonville game to, to help you win the division. One thing, and by the way, here's the way it works out. Tennessee, if they get to 7-9 and nine, if, with a loss tonight to Dallas, they play Jacksonville. Even if Jacksonville wins this week and they're 8-8 eight and eight going into the game, if Tennessee beats Jacksonville, they'd hold the tiebreaker at Seven and at, at eight, eight and nine, nine yeah. and they would win it, and Jacksonville would be eight and nine and lose it. Same way for Jacksonville. Doesn't matter what they do this week. If they win that game against Tennessee, they win the division. Yeah. But if you're the Titans, you're playing with a rookie quarterback who has essentially a couple of starts under his belt. Does it make any difference for Malik Willis to get any reps with the number one team? Yes, for him, I think you definitely have to have him. I mean, the more reps he can get, the better. You. If, you, if you're going to start him, though, you have to keep some of those starting offensive right, linemen saying, out there. Yeah. You can't put him out there with the backups and expect him to have some of the success. I think you you would sit a Derrick Henry because, like I said, he's a guy that has ran, run the ball so many times, so many carries over the last few years. Give him an extra day to get – extra extra 10 days to get his body uh, ready and prepared for the game against Jacksonville. Um, and then figure out which receivers – because speaking of receivers, I don't think they have – you know, anyone that you, you really look at, Robert Woods is their leading receiver, and he, he hasn't been outstanding no. this season. And if you can get Traylon Burks, if you'd like to get him some reps, too. Yeah. I don't even know if he's going to play. But if he's available, you want to get the, the kid some reps. You want to get you want to get your guys some reps if they're available, if they're healthy. But I think it may you may treat this like an old-school preseason game where you go, you know, maybe the first quarter, maybe the first half, and then you rest those guys and uh, get them an opportunity to get ready for for this this matchup versus Jacksonville. Now, you and I disagree on this because if I were Mike McCarthy, I would do that exact same thing if I'm the Cowboys coach tonight. I don't – I'm just going to be real about this if I'm McCarthy – the Eagles aren't losing twice, right? They are losing to both the Saints and the Giants. Now, you can hope that, and you say, i got to play it because it's an integrity thing, but I don't want to risk Dak Prescott or one of my running backs or one of my good offensive linemen or Micah Parsons. I don't want to risk injury to those guys in a 1% chance of trying to track down Philadelphia. Well, here's the reason why I say you would play them, because you're playing on Thursday night. If you... Jalen Hurts is is hurt. He he's got a shoulder injury. If you lose tonight, you know you're giving the Philadelphia Eagles. They don't even have to play him this mm-hmm. weekend. But if you win, now you put a little bit more pressure on the Philadelphia Eagles to decide. Okay, do we let him play this week? Do we take a chance of letting Gardner Minshew start again? It's all about what you do tonight, though, and, and will will really dictate how the Eagles go about their weekend and whether or not they allow them to play. And you still do have an opportunity to make it into the to, to the top seed and win the division if you win out and the Eagles lose out. Now the Eagles have the the uh, Sa- the Saints this weekend, which offensively they don't put a lot of fear in you. But you, as you said, their defense has been playing really well. Um, and then they have the Giants, who are also fighting for a a, a wild card spot. So. 
there's a chance, a slim chance, but there is a chance that if I'm the if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, we play it out to win, especially since I believe that some of the Titans may be sitting out. It's it's definitely us trying to win this game. And if I can get my guys out at halftime, then I'll do that as well. See, I, I think that's the big thing is it's just – and by the way, it wouldn't bother me, but it's just the Cowboys' luck – if they would get a guy hurt in a game like this. It would be. It, it, and that would be, but Randy, it's football. And sometimes yeah. people get hurt. Unfortunately, uh, as that may sound, it, it's 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 part of the game. But you don't want, you have to protect your guys. You have to make sure you got your guys being uh, not careful, but taking care of themselves, getting out of bounds if they need to, not taking that extra, you know, staying up that mm-hmm. extra hit that, that could come in and, and get your ankle rolled up. Those are the, are the hits that, that generally cause those injuries. So, um, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm trying to win this game, and I'm trying to make sure that we keep the pressure on the Philadelphia Eagles to win this weekend. How crazy is it, by the way, that we can have two division winners that are under 500? We've complained, you've complained about having division winners that are under 500. I don't think it's a good team or, or, or a good thing. I'm a strong believer in the division system, though, in being rewarded for winning your division. But it is crazy that we have a very good chance. I think it's a likelihood that we're going to have two under 500 division winners. Yeah, and whoever plays the NFC South champion and the AFC South champion is going to have essentially have a bye that week because it's going to be a an easy game. I mean, maybe if you play the Tennessee Titans because of Derrick Henry, that may strike a little fear in you, but they can't throw the football, so mm-hmm. just sit eight people in the box and force Malik Willis to throw it outside. Jacksonville may cause a little more fear for you because that's a yep. team that when you look at them, you say, well, huh, they may be eight and nine in the playoffs, but they are they have some weapons. They have some guys that, that can strike some fear in you, but there is no one in that NFC South, if you're playing them in the in the playoffs, that, that strikes fear in you. Tom Brady and the Bucks are – Terrible. The names strike fear. That's the only thing. Is <laughs> but they are the, terrible. You watch the team on tape, and that doesn't strike fear if, into you. If they didn't have uh, the names on the back of their jerseys, you would just say they are guys right now because yeah. that's how yep. they're playing. And then you have the Carolina Panthers who don't really strike fear in you either. It's it's a good story for them if they were to win the division because of, of all the turmoil that they've been through, but they don't strike fear into you. And, and I, am a, I am not a proponent of having teams under 500 in the playoffs. It's just my personal opinion. Thing is, and this is exactly what happened to New Orleans back in 2010 with Beast Mode, is they can start handing off. Carolina can start handing yeah. off and dominate the clock and run for 230 yards on you, and then all of a sudden you're in a bad way. If they do that, because we saw what Carolina did this past weekend to the tune of 300-plus yards yep. running the ball versus Denver, uh, Detroit, uh, it, it's uh, – they are a team that they don't strike fear in you on the outside either, but those two guys running the football and the way that they, they take care of their business. Oh, and, you know, the way Sam Darnold plays in the last two minutes of the game. He's, he's been, <laughs> Sam Darnold actually <laughs> didn't perform poorly. I think he had 200-plus yards uh, passing in the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm – I'm, I, but I still don't feel like they would they would strike fear in me if I am. Uh, and then they just signed a uh, a 35 year old Josh Norman off the street. Yeah. He was he was running his coffee, coffee shop, shop a couple of days ago, and he's going to be potentially uh, suiting up this weekend versus the versus the Buccaneers. What a league. It's a, that's a beautiful thing when you when you're still in it. Yeah, that's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your-
your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. tell you who the cardinal most poised to break out in 2023 is coming up at eight o'clock but right now we want your text to the air comfort service text line 65780 it's time for take it or leave it and cd over the last seven games this according to the 33rd team we've talked to mike march from the 33rd team quite often over the last seven games trevor lawrence has a higher completion percentage than patrick mahomes joe burrow or josh allen uh in those seven games Mahomes, 16 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Burrow, 17 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Allen, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Lawrence, 14 touchdowns, 1 interception. And Trevor Lawrence has a higher passer rating over the last 7 games than Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen. Take it or leave it. Playoffs get here. Jacksonville's in. He makes them scary. Oh, take it all day. He, he As I said earlier, he's a team. He's a, a quarterback on a team that... They're playing very well. He's a young guy. He's in his second year, um, and he's a guy that that they have a lot of a lot of weaponry. They have guys mm-hmm. that they can get the ball to. Zay Jones. They have Christian Kirk. You have Evan Ingram, who's playing yeah, well at tight great. end. Travis Etienne uh, as the running back. They have a lot of people that they can get the ball to, and, and Trevor Lawrence is finding uh, finding out that his second year is much better than his first yep. year when you have a coach that knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, the, the last way, guy they had no clue. Just a, an opinion here, strictly my opinion. I don't expect anybody to agree with it. But one of the stupid things the NFL did, I'm, I'm okay with a lot of their numbers changes. Tight ends should not wear numbers in the teens. Tight ends should be high 40s or in the 80s. I'm not opposed to it. Really? 17 now, is a bad number for a tight end. I'm not opposed to it. I, I actually like it. Now, I don't like college where the, the defensive linemen wear single-digit numbers oh. and you have them, they're they're pouring out of their uniforms. Remember that John Jenkins for Georgia, number six? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I'm not a fan. There was a the big kid from Florida. I think he was number one. I think he was <laughs> right, pouring right. out actually, of his yeah, uniform. Yeah. I like single digits on defensive linemen because it's funny, but like teens and 20s looks weird on a defensive lineman. Don't do that. Don't be like number 26 is a defensive lineman. That's going to drive drive me insane. I don't have a problem. Maybe the 30 is fine. I, I, tight ends, I'm cool. You you wear whatever you want to wear. It's not a problem. No, tight ends I don't like DBs wearing single digits either, though. Like that, that. that makes well, me uncomfortable. It depends on the situation. There was this, uh, I think it was two years ago, in 20, might have been the first year that the numbers changed, where the Niners' defensive backfield was 1, 2, 3, and 4. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. not, a, not a fan of that. Randy, we were having a spirited debate, uh, <laughs> Rocchio and I, yesterday. Take it or leave it, Patrick Ewing would eat Rudy Gobert's lunch. Oh, take it, 100%. And he's, and he's 60 years old. <laughs> 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 that joke, by the way, got used by Randy like three it times yesterday. It did get used by Randy. I had to, I had to bring it's it back. So, it's such a good staple dad joke, though. It's so good. Yeah, I'll leave it. By the way, leave it. I, I leave that. Or uh, eat his lunch. I leave that. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Ewing. We make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money. Exactly. What do you mean? What do we? Little <laughs> did you know, you stole that quote from Charles Barkley. Oh man! All right, uh, Matthew. What do you got on the old text line? Uh, take it or leave it. There will be a wild card team in the Super Bowl. Leave it. Leave it. I, I mean, who? There's going to be six of them, but they're not. None of them are going to be very good. Yeah, Kansas City and Philadelphia are not going to be wild card teams. The Cowboys. Uh, 
No, the Cowboys are a division winner. So uh, you talking no. about a team that plays in yeah. the? No, they were. They're not. Cowboys aren't going to be a division. No, winner. no, they, they, you know, you're right. They won't be a division. Yeah, they're, they're a wild card. They're team. playing. In the Super they aren't playing in the Super Bowl. They're the Cowboys. No. That's what I'm saying. I think that would be the only wild card team that you would even give maybe like championship game prospects. Logically speaking, Logically speaking yes. Yeah, there there aren't. But I don't Here's know. You, thing, just, you just ripped off all those tr- Trevor Lawrence ones, but then that, that's no. going to be division winner. Never mind. But here, here's the thing: if we get to the playoffs and the Packers have won six in a row and Rodgers is playing well, then all yeah. of a sudden you say, eh. "I could, I could, I could make a case for maybe the Los Angeles Chargers." But I think yeah. Brandon Staley will figure we'll it out, up. mess yeah. it up some kind of way. Yeah, I like that. Take it or leave it. Kenny Pickett looked better than Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, or Lamar Jackson did in their rookie years. I I am not Justin Herbert. Not Justin Herbert, but I think I think Kenny Pickett looks better than what people are giving him credit for. They are. It was a video the other day where Mike Tomlin was talking about this is a big game for y'all young guys to grow up. I think it's it's. Because Pittsburgh has had so much success and has had so many uh, older guys for so many years, I think people tend to forget that all of these guys are young football players and they're still learning how to win in big moments. And, you know, your running back is a, is a second-year guy. Your quarterback is a rookie. You got a first-round draft, second-round draft pick in, in George Pickens. Deontay Johnson, though, even though he got paid, I believe he's only in his fifth or sixth year. He's still considered a young guy. And you have... Friermuth, who was a young guy, a tight end. This offense is full of young guys. And a and, young offensive line. And a young offensive line. They are they are full of young, young, talented young guys. And and so I think I will I will leave it because he wasn't better than Herbert, but I will take that he's going to be they are going to be a okay in Pittsburgh offensively in the in the coming years. Who are the other guys that were listed besides Justin Herbert? I just heard that. Uh, he, so Josh Lamar Allen, Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson, he was better. Lamar, yeah, Lamar, Lamar got his team to the yeah, playoffs. He did, he did. And he, but he took over and he was terrific. Yeah, he was. He, he struggled also in that playoff Allen, game. Yeah, Allen, but I mean, he, it, he was after, unbelievable yeah, once he took over. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I would, I would not say that Pickett looked better than Allen did his rookie year. Probably about the same. If I'm really giving the benefit of the doubt to Pickett, yeah, you have to. Yeah, um, take it or leave it. Mizzou finally breaks top. 20 after the two wins against Illinois and Kentucky. I'll take take that. Hey, yeah. Top 20. Oh, let's say 22. I'm yeah, because they're, they're they I'll have, leave it. They got 50, they 32 they got, right now. Yeah, well, they got 57 votes because there was an update and because uh, Illinois dropped out mm-hmm. and they got 57 votes um, for a spot. So I, I don't think that's going to equate to even with the Kentucky win last night. I don't know if that's going to equate to a whole jump from I think would have been. 29 yeah. all the way to 19. I don't know if there's a top I, spot. Change. I'll say 22, 23. If they beat Arkansas, they'll be top 15. Wow. That's yes. my that's okay. my I'll say that. I like Carolina that. is 9 and 4. They're number 25. West Virginia is 24. 20 uh undefeated New Mexico is 23. Xavier is 22. They're 10 and 3. Mississippi State 11 and 1. They're number 21 and then Auburn 10 and 2. Nobody suffered. And then Kentucky's 19, so Kentucky'll drop. Uh, because they now have four losses. Yeah. But I, I would say top 25 also. I'm with you guys. Take it or leave it. Luka Doncic winds up having a better career than Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, that's a good one. How many? Dirk only won one MVP, one championship. One MVP, one championships. But he's top you 10 in ar- so many You can categories. argue he should have won two MVPs. He's top. He's number six in scoring you can all, argue you all, all time. You, should, you can argue he should have won two championships. Who, where, what, nah. 
The, oh, the second one. The one against, the first it. one against the Heat. People have a lot of problems with the foul calls for that Dwayne Wade was getting. They won. They won that one. They won the. Uh, uh, the this is the one. Oh, you talking the about first, with Shaq? The okay, first yeah, yeah, yeah. one against the Heat. Yeah, I got you. Um, I'm thinking of the the big three. Heat. No, not the Heatles. Yeah, the heat, just the Heat. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that. You don't think he'll end up being better than Dirk? Yeah, Dirk's one of the best players. He's he's a he top, really is. Yeah, top fifty player all time. Now Luca might be, but he might be as good. I don't know. I think if, maybe it's too early to say. I think the impact also Dirk Dirk legitimized European players in yep. a way that that Luca you know that paved the way for guys yeah. like Luca. I don't know if Luca necessarily can is going to have that kind of impact on on the game and that kind of stuff. And, and those things always matter. Dirk is a seven footer. Yes. Right. Fifteenth all time in threes. Here the can I give you quickly the the, the guys ahead of Dirk a seven footer in three pointers. Yeah. Curry, Ray Allen, Harden. Reggie Miller, Kyle Korver, Vince Carter, Jason Terry, Damian Lillard, Jamal Crawford, LeBron, Paul Pierce, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, Jason Kidd. He's the big man. He's, he he's the outlier here. And and I don't know if you all saw that his his statue was uh, revealed. Good statue. Oh, if you do a statue, that's Good the way you statue. do it. Yeah, like that There's is. Been some bad statues in the, in the last few years of sports. That was amazing. Ooh, that was a clean statue. I great, agree with you. great, great statue. Yeah. By the way, the only other, if air quotes, big man in the top twenty is Durant at number twenty in three pointers. Man changed the game. No yep. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Take it or leave it. If Burrow beats the Chiefs in the playoffs again, Burrow will be the Tom Brady to Mahomes, Peyton Manning. Oh, well, he got a, he. Burrow would be Tom Brady to Mahomes, Mahomes Peyton Manning. Peyton the problem Manning. is right now, uh, Burrow doesn't have a championship. I was gonna say, yeah, Brady. Brady had three before Manning. Manning yeah. got one. He he will. But I I do like I do like that rivalry. I, I'm telling you, this AFC. Mm-hmm. set of quarterbacks is going to be just spectacular to watch over the next 10 to 12 years how those guys figure out who decides to win who, who's going to keep prevent the other ones from winning championships and, and making pro bowls and potentially making hall of fames because there are so there is so much talent on that side of the of the conference that it, it's fun to watch and, and playoff time you got to see Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes go at it, and you would assume that that would be the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. But oh no, you got Joe Burrow coming into town the following week. So it was a. Uh, I'm excited to see that. I'm gonna leave that because Joey B has to win a championship and multiple championships. But and here's I, the other thing: is not that Brady and Manning didn't both elevate the players around him, but when you look at the talent right now. This year that surrounds Burrow, and compare it to the historical talent that of this year that surrounds Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is elevating guys better than Burrow is this year. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, the the talent around Joey B is is greater than the talent around yeah. around um, Patrick Mahomes at this point. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you very much, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Next up, who's the Cardinal? Poised to break out in 2023. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. A 
Fly ball out to deep right center. Going back, Carlson leaps. He's got it. Nice play, Dylan Carlson up against the wall in right center. And the 0-1. And Carlson lifts a high fly ball in the right center. It's at the wall. Gone. They told him over the weekend, you're staying in St. Louis. And tonight, the sliding catch. And now a two-run blast from Dylan Carlson. In the air, out to deep left, off the bat of Carlson, it is gone! Bush Stadium going nuts! Carlson breaks the 2-2 tie. Those calls from Danny Mac on Valley Sports during the season. It's 8.04, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and... Our friend John Denton contributed to a piece at MLB.com, the breakout player for every team in 2023. And John wrote, center fielder Dylan Carlson. The Cardinals believe so strongly in Carlson that they refuse to include him in any potential deals for Juan Soto or Sean Murphy in 2022. Those beliefs came even as the 24-year-old Carlson slumped with a 236 average, just eight home runs and 42 RBIs. The Cardinals brass feels that Carlson, whose defensive skill in center field led to the trade of gold glover Harrison Bader, can bounce back and even improve on the 18 homers and 65 RBIs that he had in 2021. To reach his full potential in 23, Carlson must perform better against right-handed pitching. The switch hitter had a 633 OPS from the left side last season. From the right side, he had an impressive 846 OPS. I'm completely on board. If I were to pick one and we're not going to steal John uh, Denton's. But if I were to pick one CD, I think Dylan Carlson is the guy. He's a very talented hitter. He's, at least in the minor leagues, he was a better switch hitter than he's shown at the major league level. And I don't think that after the middle part of June last year, he was really healthy. I think he, with the injuries that he had, it really set him back. I think that he can be a guy that is... Uh, an 820, 830 OPS guy that hits 25 home runs and plays a great center field. You you have been you have been on his uh you you have been on his bandwagon for a while. Mm-hmm. You like Dylan Carlson. You like uh, what you believe he can bring to the to the team this year. And and if he stays healthy, he had a thumb injury, correct, right. last year yeah. that that caused some of the issues and not being able to perform in the manner that he did. If and this is a question that I have about him, if he is hitting better from one side of the plate than the other, do you? Eventually, or at some point, say, "Hey, why don't we just focus on this side and not and not continue to be a switch hitter?" If it's if it's if it's that if it's going to be really drastic in comparison from from one side to the other, you have to, I think, give him more time. Okay, but yes, if he's if it's only a, a six thirty three OPS against right handers. At some point, you do have to say, yeah, you know what? Let's just look at hitting right-handed against right-handed pitching. But probably not this season. Okay. And you you just hope that he improves. We tend to forget that he's only 24 years old. He's younger today than Aaron Judge was when he made his major league debut. Mm -hmm. He's younger than Austin Riley was when he played his first full season in the majors. He's younger than Jordan Alvarez was when he played his first full season in the majors. Sometimes we look at the fact that a guy came up during the COVID season and played 2021 and then played part of 22, and we think there's there's a finished product there. And I don't believe that he's a finished product. And I'm kind of on board with where the Cardinals stand with him. I think he can be really, really good. So my my poise for a a breakout 2023 season is going to be two guys by the same name. 
Jordan Walker and Jordan Hicks. I like them both. I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing Jordan Walker here whenever he gets here. I'm hoping that it's opening day. Um, but, but from what all that we've heard, and I, I, what I hope, you know, I hope he has the mentality and the mindset that he's not worried about the outside noise because that can be a lot of pressure on a young guy to, to potentially become the face of a franchise when that's the, the, the mold or the direction that most people see you in. I hope that he's one of those guys that that really doesn't care in terms of how well or how how much people think about him in a good way. Like, I'm not going to concern myself with the outside noise. I'm going to show up every single day and do my job. And then Jordan Hicks, uh, uh, I think he's – there is something about him when I watch him pitch. He, he obviously has – his stuff is electric, but – whether or not he can, he I don't feel, and this is just just watching him, listening to him, you know, during the interviews. I don't feel like he feels like he's a middle reliever type of pitcher. He's a he's a guy that has has it. He has the it factor, and he and when you're a guy that has it, you're either starting him or closing him, and and that's the the mode. And I know Ryan Helsley uh, is is the closer, and he did a great job, fantastic job last season. But at some point, whether it's via injury or or not performing well, I think he'll get an opportunity to close some. Games games and really show you know what he is and who he is and and I think he could have a potential have one of those breakout seasons this year where you're looking at him saying wow he is a special special talent we know that he has incredible ability not just the 102 103 mile an hour fastball but his secondary stuff is electric he just needs to learn how to use it. Yeah. If he learns how to use it consistently, he'll be illegal. Well, the the, the pitch clock could help someone yep. like him because now you can't rely on that heater as much as you right. as much as you as much as you have in the past. And now you have to use those secondary pitches. And and because they are so good, maybe you realize, oh, I don't have to just throw it past people. I can throw this, and it's going to move on them, and they're not going to be able to see it. And I'm going to get the same swing and miss that I would get with the heater. And and hopefully, you know, that transition of that clock helps him become a a more complete pitcher as opposed to just relying on on th- on the fastball. All right, let me give you you guys one more. Does a guy who was a rookie of the year finalist and a Gold Glove winner? And had a 394 on base percentage, but he only had 391 at bats. Can he still be a breakout guy, or do you think he's already broken out, Brendan Donovan? Uh, I, I'm going to put him on that list. If you get him 500 at bats, he only had five home runs. I, I could see him being a 12 to 15 home run guy. I can see him having a better OPS, slugging a little bit more. He's a guy that could hit a ton of doubles too. He had 21 doubles last year. But his, even though he had the 394 on base, uh, only a 379 slug. I can see that slug getting up to 400 and him being an 800 OPS guy. And I, for 500 at bats, I would see that as being the breakup. My dark horse would be a guy like a similar, a guy, a guy like Lars Newbar, only because clearly the projections of him when he was a minor league player were wrong, mm-hmm. and so that kind of te- kind of takes the. It, it kind of adds this mystery and kind of takes the ceiling off the top because now I don't know what to expect from him, and clearly most scouts don't know what to expect from him. So as far as I'm concerned, his sky, you know, his limit is completely different than what we ever expected, and so I don't know what it is yet. And so if we see 450 at bats from him, it could be a completely different thing than we were ever expecting from a guy like him. For me, back to your point about Brendan Donovan, I think he's already. If you win a gold he's, glove, he's you're, already, you're already broken out. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think you've already proven yourself to to be, um, you know, one of those guys. You're going to be starting at second base, hopefully 150, 145, 150 games this year, and and you have that opportunity to get all of those at bats and and really uh, solidify your role and who you are on this team, and hopefully bring home another gold glove. Um, yeah. 
another guy that I thought about that that I didn't mention. What what do you think about Juan Yepes? I thought you were going to name him. That 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 that's who I. I mean, that's who I really feel. And and the reason why I told you we were at that uh, event, the Albert Pujols mm-hmm. event, a couple of weeks ago, and the way that Albert speaks about Juan, it makes you it makes you believe that Juan is is has, does has something. He has it, um, and you hope that that. You know, Albert has seen a lot of baseball. Mm-hmm. He's seen a lot of players come and go. I don't know that he. That, I, I don't know. I haven't heard him speak about other players in that manner. Um, but the way that he speaks about Juan Yepes was was really uh, delightful. It was enlightening to hear him speak about him in that manner. And so I I think he may be a guy that, given more opportunities, probably a DH. Um, Brings in, drives in some runs, hits some balls over the fence, and and clearly he's not afraid of the big moment. We talked about it mm-hmm. in the playoffs versus Philly. He's a guy that that stands tall in those moments and makes big plays. So he might be a guy that that has a breakout season as well. Here's the thing about Juan Yepes, and this is it's great for him, but it's sad for where baseball is headed because he got opportunities, even though he he was struggling a little bit. He didn't wash out. They didn't get rid of him. Well, now with the condensed minor leagues and not having his minor league teams, a guy like Juan Yepes, who had 1,866 minor league at-bats, mm. he's not going to get the opportunity. If he has that year, like 2016, he, he had a 642 OPS in the minors. The next year, he had a 696 OPS in the minors. He 2016-2017. They probably get rid of him after yeah. those two years, and he never gets a chance at the majors. But because he had the opportunity to play for the organizations that he played for, Atlanta and St. Louis, when they had a lot of minor league teams, they could afford him to for him to take his lumps and then be a really good solid yeah. product once he got, once he got to the majors. Be able to figure it out and yeah. sometimes people need those opportunities just to to get it right and figure it out and he's probably done well because of it. And I I, I think he could be one of those guys that are uh, that are are having a breakout season come next next year. Yeah, and rock to your point with uh with Lars Newpar. He only had 719 minor league at bats and obviously missed 20. So we, we kind of missed out on him being a prospect. He kind of, kind of like Albert, obviously not to the level of Albert, but kind of just yeah. arrived on the scene. Albert was drafted in 99, had a great 2000, and all of a sudden he's here in 2001. Newt Barr spent a little bit more time in the minors, but they didn't get the opportunity to really pump him up as a great prospect. He just kind of showed up on the scene, and he's a really, really good player. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up with the Blues playing the Blackhawks tonight, we're going to head into the Blues booth. The TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, the head football coach at Hazelwood Central. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Blues booth. John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, joins us as the Blues get ready to take on the Blackhawks tonight at Enterprise Center. Good morning, J.K. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you guys? Good. Hey, and it doesn't matter what the records are, does it? The Blackhawks are, are not playing great. They have the worst record in the league, but it's the Blues and the Blackhawks, so you kind of throw the records out the window. Yeah, you do, Randy, but, you know, this is a team that has only two wins in their last 19 games. So, 
they clearly are in a rebuild, and they clearly are not a, a very good hockey team, and the Blues need to take advantage. Um, the Blues obviously losing in overtime the other night, but um, only one regulation loss now in eight games. So it, it's a chance to pick up two points tonight, and I think the biggest thing for the Blues is don't take them lightly, even though the record is what it is. Hey, John, we uh, we were talking yesterday, and the Blues have given up uh, 15 goals in their last three games. What do they need to do to uh, rectify that? Well, you know, they played two really good offensive teams, obviously, in, in Vegas on the 23rd, and then Toronto is, is a good team. And, um, you know, they were playing pretty good defense for a couple of weeks and just have to get back to that. And obviously losing Tory Krug doesn't help the situation, but it's, it's always a team game whenever, you know, I'm asked about, you know, playing better defense or, or really any part of the game, it's a team game. And I think I've said before, and, and you guys know, it, it starts with the forwards coming back and back checking and, and playing good sound defensive play in your own zone and, you know, getting big saves at the right time. So to me, if anytime you talk about better team defense, it really starts as a team, and hopefully the Blues can do that tonight. You talked about uh, Tory Krug and his his injury. What does that do to them defensively, and how how do they um, you know clean that up and, and and play better with him not being on the ice? Well, it's 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 a chance for somebody else to step up, and obviously Callie Rosen came in the other night. He had not played in seven games, and I thought he I thought he had a fine game. So, um, you know, the Blues obviously miss Krug, and I, I think the biggest area that they'll miss him is on the power play. He, he's done a really good job as the quarterback on the power play. And the power play has now scored goals in five straight games. So I think collectively they just have to um, bear down more, obviously, when, when he's out of the lineup. And hopefully he's back in you know six weeks or so with the lower body injury. John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. And J.K., one of the things that you and I know well is that it really matters to Doug Armstrong how the team performs at home. They're only 6-7-2, and two, and over the course of the next couple of months, they have a stretch where you guys as a traveling party will spend basically 38 out of 45 days at home. They really do have to turn around their their home fortunes, don't they? Well, yeah, that's that's an understatement, Randy. Obviously, if they don't play better at home, then their chances of making the playoffs are going to be slim. And, you know, you've got to take advantage. And as you said, uh, they have these two home games coming up and then back on the road for four. But then they're, they're home for a ton of games in, in January and February. So they've got to be a more consistent team at home and, and basically be a better team and, and have a much better record because the road record's been pretty good, as you said. So uh, this is a huge stretch for the Blues coming up in the next two weeks. Hey, John, you said the, the Blackhawks aren't playing well, but it's still a rivalry. Do you have any favorite memories of, of this rivalry, uh, any specific games that stand out in your memory? Well, you know, probably recently, uh, Kerry, would be Game 7 against Chicago in the playoffs in 2016 when, when Troy Brower scored with about you know eight minutes left in the Blues, one game, 7-3-2. So that probably is my best memory lately. But, <clears throat> excuse me, going back, you know, when I was younger, it seemed every, you know, month or so, the Blues would play the Blackhawks on a Saturday night at the arena and then Sunday night at the old Chicago Stadium. And that's really where, you know, the rivalry was, was really at its very best when you're playing those back-to-back games and, there were as many fights in the stands as there was on the ice. And that's saying a lot because there were a lot of fights on the ice. So <laughs> I think those are my best memories are those, you know, home and home series. 
um, at the arena in the Chicago Stadium. You know, I go back to uh, that that fight, and I, I, for whatever reason, I don't have the correct memory of the Stevens Manson center ice fight because Manson won that game decis- or that that fight decisively. But man, that was such a fun night with everything that happened on that St. Patrick's Day of nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I was going to say, Randy, it was on St. Patty's Day, and, and that was, yeah, that was one of my most memorable nights when Brian Sutter was behind the bench and Mike Keenan of the Blackhawks, and uh, there was a line brawl, and as you said, the main event was Stevens and Manson. So, yeah, I think Stevens did pretty good in the fight. I don't, I don't think it was that one-sided, but, th- yeah, that's one of, one of the best ever for sure, no question back in 91. Hey, John, you were talking about the uh, stretch coming up here where they have, I think, 11 out of – 13 games at home, 11 out of 14 games at home. What, how how much does that, how important is that for the for the players just to be able to be at home for that long stretch of time and, and not be on the road and be able to do the things with their families and, and really get centered back into to playing hockey and not have to travel as much as they normally do? Well, it's huge. And, again, if they don't win their share of home games, then they're, they're going to be in, in trouble as far as making the playoffs. I think the biggest thing, you know, that stretch before Christmas was a, a tough one on the players, uh, you know, 10 days away before the holidays and the families and things like that. But they're professional athletes, and that's the schedule is what it is, right? Uh, but I think the biggest thing, and I'm going to sound like a coach here, is that when you're home that, that much for that extended time, you get a lot more time to practice. And the Blues, because they've had so many games lately and because they've traveled so much, they haven't had much practice time. So, I think that's the biggest thing is that they can work on things they want to work on in practice and, and give the players some rest and, and, and not having to jump on a flight every day and things like that. So that's probably the biggest advantage is the extended practice time. Hey, John, one more thing, and you mentioned the absence of Krug. I want to talk about the, the people that ostensibly replace him because the Blues came into the season with a pretty defined top four, and then after that there were questions, and we, we already talked about Callie Rosen, who I guess moves into the top four. But what do you think of the viability of the guys beyond those top four? Well, I think Mikel at times in the last couple of years has moved up the lineup a little bit and, and, and played well. And Tyler Tucker has been recalled from the minors. He played four games earlier with the Blues. Um, and he's eager to get back in the lineup. We'll see if he does. So, you know, obviously it's, it's, a, it's a, a defense by committee right now, really, with, without those guys. And don't forget, Marco Scandella has been out for the entire year and also Prunovich, although those guys are now skating. Um, no timeline for their return. So, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a an advantage for for some guys to get more ice time, obviously, and it's an opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll be fine, and, and and hopefully they can get through this situation in the next six weeks or so. John Kelly, have a happy New Year's weekend. Enjoy your holiday weekend. I know you guys have a game on New Year's Eve, and have a great twenty twenty three. All right. Thanks, guys, and happy New Year to you as well. Thank you, brother. That is John Kelly. He is the TV voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. And J.K. did, by the way, mentioned that Perunovic was skating yesterday, and so was Scandella. And it'll be six weeks, four to six weeks, for Tory Krug. The the trade deadline is going to be huge here because those guys come back. And if you want to bring Krug back off of... uh, LTIR, you got to open up cap space somewhere, mm-hmm. and there's only one. Well, there's two guys, three guys that you could. Well, two guys where you could open up enough cap space to bring back Perunovic, 
uh, Scandella and Krug. Do you think that Perunovic not playing all season has impacted them on the defensive end? I think it has, yeah. It, because when we when it first happened, it, we we probably didn't think it would be, I guess, that big of a deal. But at, at looking at it now, it's it seems that he might be able to have helped a little bit more than he, than what they have. He's one of those guys that shows up. In the game now, is he going to be a great defender? He's only a little fella, mm-hmm. so he's, he's he not said gonna... it wrong, Randy. A wee fella, we lad, we lad. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> so he's not going to be that guy that's going to knock the opposition forward out of the crease when you want him to. But he's just visible, mm-hmm. and Cal McCarr's a, a wee lad. Also, he's also the Norris Trophy winner. He's a, a great player. Colorado's got a couple of really small defensemen. Gerard's also really small, but they're effective. And I, I would hope that if Perunovic can ever get healthy, that he can be that kind of guy that can get the puck out of your zone and start the, the puck possession process. Because that stretch pass for the Blues, JR has brought it up, they aren't a great passing team. And that's one thing Perunovic does well is he passes well. That drives me insane, too. The, the passing, the, the, it just seems, you would think that would be one of the first things after you learn to skate. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's kind of how that goes. They they pass they pass it too hard sometimes. It's, it's, it's receive it a little bit easier. It seems, yeah, it seems it, like a pretty easy statement, but for some reason it, it seems pretty hard on the ice. That's why some guys have seventy nine percent completion rates, and some guys have fifty four percent completion true. rates. It's, it's just not easy. You think it will? You know, it's, hey. Uh, uh, We'll, we'll use one of our guys, that uh, Dakota Hudson. I mean, Dakota Hudson, he walks the world, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd think, okay, he's a pitcher. He should be able to throw strikes. Yeah, yeah. at some point. <laughs> Not all the time. That's <laughs> uh, Kerry. I'm Randy. We need a fighter for the fight. We don't need a fighter for no fight. Uh, we're, we're having a fight, so we need a fighter. <laughs> okay, so I got that down. <laughs> so text in the word uh, fight to 65780 if you'd like to participate. That was an artful save. That was that was a, that, I mean, that's experience I mean, we, right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we don't need you to fight if we're not going to fight. So, yeah, so, so check in now, 65780, with the word fight, and perhaps you can participate against me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And Rock, how are you doing today? Sorry, I was yawning. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I caught you mid yawn. I I tried to extend it, but that that yawn was longer than no, I expected. It didn't work. Look, look Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good morning, folks. Dave, are you you ready to go? You ready to take Let's on Megamind? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Today would have been NFL legend Ray Nitschke's 86th birthday. Where did the two-time Super Bowl champ and five-time NFL champ play his college ball? Was it Michigan, Wisconsin, or Illinois? Wisconsin. Despite not winning in almost 30 years, the Montreal Canadiens have far and away the most Stanley Cup wins with 24. Which team has the most Stanley Cup wins for a USA-based club? Is it the Chicago Blackhawks, the Detroit Red Wings, or the Boston Bruins? Detroit Red Wings. 
All right, Dave. Happy birthday to Sean Payton. After graduating from Eastern Illinois, Payton had stops in the arena, Canadian, and British leagues before playing with which NFC team? Was it the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, or the Chicago Bears? The Chicago Bears. And there have only been seven unassisted triple plays in National League history. And the Cardinals have been victims of two of them, most recently in late 2003 against the Atlanta Braves. Which would-be Cardinal pulled off the feet that day? Was that Mark DeRosa, Ronnie Belliard, or Raphael Fercal? Uh, repeat, what year was this? It was uh, it was August of 2003 against the Atlanta Braves. Which future would-be Cardinal pulled off the feet? Mark DeRosa, oh. Ronnie Belliard, or Raphael Fercal? We'll say uh, Raphael Fercal. All right. Tally our answers. We will bring in Randy Carricker. Dave, how are you feeling today? Oh, not great. <laughs> do you do you listen and, and answer the questions more easily when you're not on air? Oh, I've done this once before with the fast lane. I did all right then. Did you? Who did you go against? Oh, uh, I, I went through all four of them and lost to uh, Jamie Rivers at the end. Got you. Well, Megamind might have a little bit more information than all of those guys combined. We will see. Randy, say hello Did today. Did you take a shot at the fast lane? No, I, I'm not a shot at the fast lane. It's actually praising Mr. Character okay, here. Okay, okay. Never a shot at those guys. Right. I love those guys. Right. <laughs> say hello to Dave, Randy. Dave, good morning. How you doing? Good. Good morning, Uncle Randy. Hey, it's great to have you with us. Thank you very much, nephew Dave. <laughs> You ready, Randy? <laughs> ready. All right. Today would have been NFL legend Ray Nitschke's 86th birthday. Mm. Where did the two-time Super Bowl champ and five-time NFL champ play his college ball? Five-time NFL champ. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Uh, was there a picture of him up in Champaign in the uh, Illinois uh, area? Yeah. I, I'm going to say University of Illinois, and I'm yeah. going to say it wasn't because he was uh, doing something for USC against Illinois either. <laughs> I'm going to say that he went to the University of Big Number 66, middle linebacker, went to the University of Illinois. Despite now winning in almost 30 years, the Montreal Canadiens have far and away the most Stanley Cups with 24. Which team has the most Stanley Cup wins for a USA-based team? Hmm. Well, the recent success of the Red Wings would lead one to believe that they could be... It's not the Rangers, I don't think. I don't think in the expansion era, post-original six, Penguins uh, do have... How many? The Penguins have five... So it's going to be Rangers, Hawks, Bruins. Might be the Bruins. Rangers, Hawks, Bruins, or Red Wings. Boston won a few. Um, They're pretty good for a good run there. I still think I'm going to go with the Red Wings, though. All right, Randy, happy birthday to Sean Payton. After graduating from Eastern Illinois, Peyton had stops in the arena, Canadian, and British leagues before playing one season with which NFC team? He was... Was he a cowboy? Um, Coached for the Cowboys. 
he was a quarterback. I'll do the lifeline here just to make sure. Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, or the Chicago Bears? He wasn't a bear, I don't think. Maybe he was. I don't know. So Eastern Illinois, Chicago guy. But I'm going to go, I'll go Dallas. All right, Randy, there have only been seven unassisted triple plays in National League history. Hmm. The Cardinals have been victims of two. Hmm. Most recently in late 2003 against the Atlanta Braves. Which would-be future Cardinal pulled off the feet? 2003. Would-be future Cardinal. I'm going to say that it would be an infielder. And there's only two things, two guys that I think could have been the guy that did it. Either Fercal or DeRosa. And I'm going to say that Fercal, because he played more than DeRosa, would be the guy. See, this is what I get for being so happy on Tuesday (laughs) when we got a tiebreaker. Because for the third day in a row this week... We have had a tie between Ranty and the caller. So if you've been listening, you know the rules by now. But let's just in case, let's go through it again with Dave. We're going to read off the question. Randy will have time to write down his answer. Dave will then give his answer audibly. And then we will say what Randy Kager's answer was. And then we'll do the whole thing with the bell and the sounders and all that fun. Dave, do you understand the rules? I understand. All right, Randy, do you have your pad of paper ready to roll? I do. 2007. Bonneville St. Louis Radio Group paper. Oh, wow. So we got about old, 10, 10 old more years school. left of, of pads yep. stocked oh, away somewhere. We got a lot of those back <laughs> in, the, in the cabinet. Yep. All right. So yesterday was the anniversary of the passing of John Madden. Madden owns the best winning percentage in post-merger NFL history at 75.9%. How many career wins did Madden have across his 10 seasons as a coach? How many career wins did John Madden have across his 10 seasons as a head coach. Randy Carricker, please show me your guess. All righty. And Dave, what is your guess, sir? 88. I got to do some quick math. <laughs> we do. I feel like it's right Still a there. Time? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> no, um, it, it's, it's not. Hold on a second. Oh my god, I'm not. It's, I'm not good at math under the gun. Um, all right, oh. no, we have we we, we have yeah. an answer. We have a winner. Ooh, this was a tough one. I even had to do a really close math here <laughs> on the closest to the pin. So who was closest to the pin in this tiebreaker? Who is the winner of that fight? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, average Joe listener. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Congratulations, Dave. You were closer to the pin on the tiebreaker, and that means you won today's fight. Congratulations. I know it's a tough one, and you got you tied, by the way, three questions to three through the fight, so it was a very tough fight, and then a very close tiebreaker. I had to do a lot of math. Let's go through <laughs> Let's go through the answers right now to see what they were. Today would have been NFL legend Ray Nitschke's 86th birthday. Where did the two-time Super Bowl and five-time NFL champ play his college ball? That was, of course, the University of Illinois in Champaign. Pull back you. 
Dave, there you go. That, that, that is the one that Dave got <laughs> wrong today. Despite not winning in almost 30 years, the Montreal Canadiens have Stanley, the record for the most Stanley Cup wins with 24. The Detroit Red Wings have the most for a U.S.-based team with 11. Uh, they both got that one right. Happy birthday to Sean Payton. After graduating from Eastern Illinois, Payton toiled in the arena, Canadian and British leagues before playing one season for the Chicago Bears in 1987. He went 8 for 23 for 79 yards and one interception across three games for a 27.3 rating. That's the one Randy didn't get right. And then the seven assisted triple plays in NHL history. The Cardinals have been the victims of two. Late in 2003, it was Rafael Forcall who pulled off that triple play. And then the winner, and then the winner from the tiebreaker, Madden. John Madden owns the best winning percentage in post-merger history at 79.5.9%. Across his 10 seasons, he had 103 wins. Randy Carricker guessed 120, which is 17 away. John guessed 88, which is 15 away. So that was that's why it took me a minute here, because it was a close one. How many playoff wins did he have? How many playoff? That's a very good question. I do not know that off the top of my head right now. If it's seven, is it, if it's 17, I swear that's going to... Randy's going to... Are you counting playoffs I'm going to have to go I'm gonna have to go pick us. I'm gonna have to go pick a switch after the show. <laughs> it, it seems to me that Don Shula had a restaurant named 342. <laughs> so Dave, despite my screw up, you are the winner. I'm gonna have to take the I'll have to take the lumps for the win. So congratulations to Dave. You are the winner today of the fight. We will talk to you tomorrow on Friday. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good job, Dave. And now we'll figure out how many wins John Madden had in his playoff. I don't want to. I don't want to look at it because it's going to be seventeen, and I'm going to. Yeah, that's all. You're good, John. I'm gonna, you're, you're fine. It's fun. Uh, this is my problem. Whenever I think numbers, my brain automatically just separates nine. regular season and and, and postseason. Mm-hmm. And I think people just see different numbers across sports differently. And there's a lot of people who wonder why postseason isn't always added on to. And we went, went through a lot of that when people were very confused about Pujols' home run total because it was regular season and, play, and, and playoff. So He had nine. Nine playoff okay. victories. Yeah, so 103. 16 games. Would have taken him to 112. 112. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, Bill Belichick has 249 overall victories. But... That's with one guy. What about with the other guys? And does do his numbers make him the most overrated person in the history of sports? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So this might get old for some of you, but some of you will love it. But I keep seeing on TV and hearing on radio with the Patriots being under 500, well, the Patriots will win their last two and go to the playoffs, and then you never put anything past Bill Belichick. You know what? Bill Belichick is 249 and 75. 249 wins, 75 losses, including the playoffs, with Tom Brady as his quarterback. In the playoffs, 79, including the playoffs, 79 and 89 overall. His regular season record with Brady as his quarterback, 219 wins and 64 losses. And overall, without Brady, this is his record. Bill Belichick, 78 wins, 87 losses. That's a 472 winning percentage with Tom Brady not as his starting quarterback. Just for the the sake of providing you some context... With Belichick being a 472 coach, over a big sample size now, that's 165 games. 
Jeff Fisher has a 512 winning percentage without Brady as his quarterback. To Belichick's 472. <laughs> Norv Turner, 114, 122, and 1. Norv Turner, who got ripped by everybody as a head coach. Everyone. A 483 winning percentage to Belichick's 472 without Brady as his starting quarterback. Rex Ryan never had Brady as his starting quarterback. 61 and 66. Again, a pretty substantial sample size there. 127 career games. A 480 winning percentage to 472 for Belichick. I will submit to you, Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, and everybody listening, that the most overrated person in the history of sports, player, coach, owner, is Bill Belichick. Oof. Randy. He's a pr- totally a product of Tom Brady. Totally. I, I, Unless you want to count the coordinator years where he's a product of Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> if you put those two, yeah. two of the greatest players to ever play the game, yeah, it, you get, you get, it definitely does help. Um, I'm, how many times has he been coach of the year? Three, I think. Three times. Let me check. So for me, for you to be considered an overrated player, one of the most overrated players of all time, I would have to say you 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 didn't win a championship, or and or you didn't win an MVP or or whatever your the the equivalent to to you being the MVP of your your position or if it's coach of the year, player of the year, whatever that is. Yeah, he does have three, by the way. He has three. So so I. I see where you're coming from, but he did have Tom Brady. So can we can we erase those years? Sure, <laughs> that's that's fine with me. The other part about Brady is uh, if you go back to their draft when they drafted Tom Brady in 2000 uh, at number 199, I believe they had another sixth round choice before they took him. I mean, come on, he, Brady was a mistake. Brady was a stroke of luck. It, I, it wasn't. You don't take Tom Brady and say, "Well, yeah, we evaluated him great." And you don't take him. You don't take a, a franchise quarterback in the sixth round and say, "Yeah, we evaluated him as a guy who could have a great future." I, I agree with that. That was uh, they kind of fell into that one. And fortunately for them, uh, Tom Brady ended up being Tom Brady, and so yep. you win championships. But I don't know that I could just say that that uh, Bill Belichick is not a great coach simply because Tom Brady fell in his lap. So then we have to say that. Uh, Jeff Fisher's great. I didn't go that far, Randy. Okay. <laughs> Would never go that so, far. So who are the other most overrated people in sports? Matthew, would you like to he, weigh in here? Please do. We are all ears on this one, sir. All right. <laughs> here's my argument for why Derek Jeter oh is overrated. Okay. And here's my thing about this most overrated conversation. You asked me this, and my thought process went to, who is a guy who is considered by some to be a top five, top ten player who, while still a Hall of Famer, maybe belongs more around top thirty. Because I'm trying, I'm trying to find a hard answer to this question. Who's just a great, who isn't an all-time great, but just generational, maybe. And I'm going to go with Derek Jeter because of this. Across the last, across the last thirteen seasons of his career, he cost the Yankees 154 runs defensively. Yes, that was the second. In half. which games? Across across the last. Thir- across the last thirteen thousand innings he played. So who determined this? It's it's what it's the same metric that everyone uses for defensive runs saved. It's it's what the analytics. <laughs> okay, so some arbitrary <laughs> determination was made. Well, based off range factors so and things like were, that. Were yes. those errors or were those errors? Errors are factored ball, into just, it. Range just, factor, not getting the balls you should. You know, errors on or errors on hmm. balls, things like that. Making plays that most people don't make, which he's most famous for, is obviously making that incre- crazy rangey play, which is obviously iconic, but I think gave people a false 
um, narrative about how good of a defender he was. And then if you go by war, which is another analytic, but again, just looking at all-time great shortstops, he's behind guys like Honus Wagner, Cal Ripken. You go look at War 7, which is his best seven seasons compiled for a war. He falls behind Alex Rodriguez, Nomar Garcia-Para. Ozzie Smith has a better War 7 over his best seven seasons combined. You look at War 3, <laughs> War overall. He's a top 15 shortstop in all these rankings, but he's never top five, and he's barely ever anything higher than ninth. I'm not saying he's oh. not great. I'm not saying he's not. A, he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. I am saying, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have been a unanimous so, so you're Hall of Famer. I'm saying he is top three all time, not top ten. That everybody that played with him mm-hmm. and his manager said was the centerpiece of a team that went to seven World Series and won five of them. Mm-hmm. You're saying that a guy that got 396 of 397 Hall of Fame votes. Yes. That one guy was an idiot still. Yeah. The guy who didn't it, vote for is overrated. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying so, for his you, perception. Would you argue yes. that shortstop is an important position? I would argue that, yes. So how could a guy that's so bad at shortstop get to seven World Series? Well, it helps that he, the team... The team Does it play, help that the, he's sixth all-time in hits? The team he played for... Does that help? The team he played for... 465 hits. Did not have the highest payroll in baseball two times in his 20-plus in his twenty plus year career. Okay, name the, the other Hall of Famers. rookie year. year. Okay, in, in the, for, the, for the four World Series in 96, 98, 99, 2000, name the other Hall of Famers that he played with. Scott Brocious, yeah, Tino not, Martinez, not a lot of big name Chuck Hall of Famers. Right. <laughs> not, not a lot of big name Jack Hall of Famers. Curtis. You're right. You're absolutely right. But my point, and my point him about being a winning player, and I'm not saying he's not. But again, you look at the defensive numbers at shortstop. He had a chance to move over to a different position when there was a better shortstop who arrived at the team, and he refused. And I think Joe Torre is smart. I'm going to I'm going to say point. this. Joe Torre knows more about baseball than you do. I'll, I'll acquiesce to that and yes. kept him at shortstop. That's a good point. <laughs> And then it cost him 154 runs over his last 13,000 innings. People could have saw Randy's face as, as Rock was running through these yeah, these just... analytics, and it looked like it was pain, like it was well, pain just shooting through your body see, out to your limbs. Yeah. And update <laughs> People pick out these nebulous numbers, and I say, okay, well, when when did this happen that he that the 154 runs scored? And nobody can say that. Uh. That is. Nobody, nobody can say, well, okay, there was this error that cost them two, and he didn't get to this ball that cost him three. But then how many did he save them because he was playing with people like Alfonso Soriano and Robinson Cano? Hmm. That's a good, yeah. I mean, and this is why, again, analytics the aren't the only argument. They're, and that's why, I, again, I'm not saying he's not great. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been unanimous Hall of Famer. But he you asked me the question, I'm, I'm going to try to find somebody again. People consider him one of the all-time greats. I consider him a generational great, and I think there's a gap between those two things, which is why, again, I think that we, we tried to bring up, you know, I, I, I was talking to my friends yesterday. Somebody brought up Ozzie Smith. They looked up a list, and apparently Ozzie Smith, at the top of all oh, of these lists, the most overrated going. player ever. Oh. I don't agree with that statement because I think he's <laughs> properly rated. We brought up Allen Iverson as maybe a basketball Never. player who's overrated. I would argue he's properly rated despite all the things against him. Super inefficient basketball player, but I still think he's properly rated. Derek Jeter is a Hall of Fame baseball player and a Hall of Fame wasn't. gift basket giver. Yes, he is. You stay yep. off of Derek Jeter, okay? Hey, according to interviews, that's not real, so <laughs> yeah. we're going to go off right, interviews. Uh, according to him, I'm sure it's not, but multiple people have said it is. So I have a few people. The one person that, that it pained me to say was maybe one of the most overrated, because I, I when you just look at career and, and 
no, no championships, no MVPs. Obviously, he played in a, at a time with one of the greatest, not the greatest, but one of the greatest players to play the game. I'm going to have to say Carmelo Anthony is, as, mm-hmm. as on that list. And not overrated in the sense of not a good basketball player, but the hype that that would, would lead one to believe that he never even he made it to one Western Conference Finals, if I'm not mistaken, in Denver, mm-hmm. and they lost. Um, never even made it to a, a a final. So you're looking at a guy that has had an outstanding career, but I think some would say was overrated. Another name that popped on my list, I think Paul Pierce is one. Great nickname, great nickname. Yeah, he yeah. had a he had a back and forth when he was on ESPN about how he was better than D Wade, and I, I just I, I think just, he overrates himself, but I think the basketball community. You might maybe, be right. Maybe, maybe, maybe even underrates Paul <laughs> maybe, Pierce because maybe that's he was a dog for a defender. He was an absolute. I mean, he was a bucket for for you know a seven eight year stretch there. I actually think he might be underrated by basketball because he's so annoying and people are sick and tired of hearing be. about that one Celtics team. I think Kevin Garnett's underrated. I think Kevin Garnett is underrated as well. Another name and probably uh, the most would be Anthony Davis. The fact that he made the top 75 and he is always like that. You let you put him on the top 75 and didn't put Klay Thompson on there like that to me. I understand what what you're saying. He could be if he stays healthy, but he never stays healthy. He is often mm-hmm. injured. Um, and and I looked at the list of scoring top scorers in the NBA. He is at 151. He's 151st, 151st in scoring all time in the NBA with 15,000 points. I've got, I've got one that you're going to love. Okay. And that uh, Matthew's going to hate. Mike Allstott. <sighs> As a fullback. Dare you, sir. Well, he's not a fullback. There you go. Thank he's you not a much. fullback. He's, he, he's a tailback. Here's... Is he that bad of a league blocker? What do you guys he, think of this? What does that mean? He, he, he never, did. never did. He never did. <laughs> what do you guys think of this? A hundred. You would hate that. I yeah. bet. Uh, he didn't. Yep. We gotta get him on now. He for, didn't block. Yeah. He never was. He was never asked to do that. That that wasn't his thing. How about this for a quarterback? One hundred seventy-three touchdowns, two hundred and twenty interceptions, and a completion percentage of fifty point one. Ooh, who would that be? Joe Namath. Oh, really? Yeah. He got more interceptions than touchdowns by a lot. Wow. By a One lot. Super Bowl. I just and and Hall of Fame. Yeah, in the Hall of Fame. What is Bob Greasy? What does he have? Uh, I guess I, Bob I, Greasy, I'm, man. I'm waiting on this one. Uh, <laughs> Bob Greasy. Uh, he, he had a good coach and a good running game, so uh, he didn't throw a ton of interceptions. Well, he did 172, but he did throw 192 touchdown passes. Okay, completed 56.2 percent of his passes. But if ever there was a guy a product, he had. Jim Kick, Larry Zonka, and Mercury Morris in the backfield. He had a great offensive line in the no-name defense. Mm -hmm. He was the quintessential example of a quarterback that just don't lose it for us. And he tried to with 172 (laughs) interceptions, and they still couldn't do it. How about Nolan Ryan? 5,700 strikeouts. He, He was never a big winner. How many Cy Young awards? Zero. None? None. It's crazy. 27 years. Oh. It's a, it's a, it's a stat that I always I know, but every time I get reminded of it, I'm like, how? I didn't know that. I thought he had at least you, you with all the strikeouts. I mean, you remember the the strikeouts, obviously, but no yep. no Cy Young. Also, he has one of the, also if you want to, if you want an analytic number for that, he has one of the worst whips of like all time greats with like a one point three. It's a bad See? it's yeah. a bad it's a yeah. bad it's whip amazing. for a guy that good. And let me give you one more. Uh, Kurt Busch has 34 career NASCAR wins. Joey Logano has 31. Carl Edwards has 28. Dale Earnhardt Jr. had 26. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is 
one of, right there with Belichick, the most overrated sports people ever. It, that, and I don't think that's his fault, though. No, popular, uh, it, totally popular, but just not great. Father, you know, yep. you, you you lean on the name. I, I can't I can't blame that on him. No, solely. I think people have the perception that he's yeah. better than he really was because he was the most popular driver every year. What about John Stockton? I know that's going to... Uh, Bother Rock over there. I think Stockton and Malone go together. I don't think they're overrated. Malone won a won two MVP, so I I took him off. He was on my list, uh-huh. even though they never won a championship together. But I I took him off. But I wonder if Malone wins MVPs without Stockton getting him the ball. I think this might I be think, true. I think Malone is overrated um, because because he obviously has the scoring numbers, and I don't think people give Stockton his credit for the assist and the steals numbers. Hmm. They're astronomical. They eh. pretty good. So we're gonna we, we want you to weigh in here. Later on in the show, we're going to get your list of the most overrated person in the history of sports. We're gonna take your mic drops and your texts coming up at nine forty five in about a, a half hour. But coming up next year on one oh one ESPN, is there any way Tua Tonga Vailoa should play again this year? That's next on one oh one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one oh one ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Andy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Nine oh nine in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Tua Tagovailoa will not start for the Dolphins this weekend because he has what they're calling their second, but most people believe is his third concussion of the year. And as we've learned about concussions, they get exponentially worse. When you have one concussion, it's bad. Your second one is worse than that. Your third one is worse than that. And at some point, you reach a point where it's going to affect the quality of your life. I am of the opinion, Kerry Davis, that Tua, as much as he might want to play, should not play in the final two games for the Dolphins. Give that brain an offseason to rest. Yeah, he needs to shut it down for the season, even if they were to, to make it to the playoffs. At this point, he has had three concussions. They lied about the first one. If you watch that game versus, I think it was the Bills, where he hit his head on the turf, he got up wobbly, he kind of stumbled to the sideline, and they said, oh, it was a back injury or it was a lower back injury. That, To me, that is that is not taking care of the player. As a player, we're not going to take care of ourselves. We are football players. We we want to play football, and even if we are concussed, even if we are you know out of it at times a little bit, we still feel like we can continue to play. And so if you're the, the, the Miami Dolphins, if you're the NFLPA, if you're the NFL in general, you need to take care of this situation and protect him from himself. Because mm-hmm. if you leave it up to him, he will be practicing right now. Even if he has a, a little bit of fogginess or unawareness and, and not all the way there, that's what we are accustomed to doing. It's not a to us it's not a big deal in the moment, but when you look about look at it, you know, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, twenty years from now you look back and say, wow, maybe I should not have done that. I should have taken some time off, and I, I was not protecting myself, so someone else has to protect him. So yesterday, the NFL and the NFLPA issued a joint statement saying that a review of the application of the concussion protocol involving TUA is now underway. We welcome that review, as we have done previously, and will report the results in conjunction with the NFLPA. That was a statement that was released yesterday by the NFL, and... A source told ESPN that Tua's concussion history was a factor in the NFLPA and the NFL's decision to launch a review of this current situation. But 
you, you can review all you want. What we're talking about is the future, and we're talking about a guy who is going to get to a point pretty soon, I would think, if he keeps playing and getting hit, which he has a lot, where he doesn't know his way home, yeah. or he doesn't know the name of loved ones. Yeah. Chris Miller, the old Rams quarterback when they first moved here, had concussion issues. His career ended for a while because of concussions. But when in the last year that the Rams were in L.A., before they came here, he was their quarterback, and he had to call his wife on the cell phone because he didn't remember his way home. That, that it is, it is, it can be a very scary thing. I've had multiple issues with with where I've been hit, and when I played, we didn't know that those were considered concussions. But I've sat, I've been in practice and watched myself practice for thirty minutes of the practice. Like I have been going through it, but outside looking at myself practice, I mm-hmm. have gotten hit in the back of the head and walked to the wrong huddle, and 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 had to be escorted to the sideline. They and and went back into that game. So there are times where you're not going to be able to protect yourself. Someone has to protect you. And if you're Tua Tungvaloa, you you look at you know all of the players that have had concussion issues. Quarterbacks: Troy Aikman, Steve Young dealt with court, with with concussion issues. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. You have I think about Sidney Crosby in in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. who dealt with them and missed so many games because you think okay I'm ready to come back and then that slightest hit gets you right back into the same position you were in before. And if you're Tua Tungavaloa, you have to sit back. Obviously, you want to win. Obviously, you want to get paid. All of these things are tied into the decision-making as to why you want to be on the field. But Josh Mc, not Josh McDaniel, Mike, Mike McDaniel has to make a decision best that's best for Tua and not for his team, and that is sitting him out. Okay, so I'm going to give you my opinion as a non-athlete. I think you'll probably have a different opinion as an athlete. But I think there comes a point where as a league, as a representative of the players like the NFLPA is, you have to protect the player from himself and say, okay, we loved having you as a player in our league, but you're going to really do serious damage to yourself if you keep playing, and we just can't let you play anymore. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Because now you're taking away a way for a man to, to provide for himself, provide for his family. And who's to say, you know, after three weeks, maybe he feels better. After six weeks, maybe maybe after three months, he may feel better. To say, you know what, you're done playing forever or you can't play in this league again is not going to be – it's not going to fly and with the NFLPA and it won't fly with the players. It won't, but here's why. Because Junior Seau said he felt fine. Yeah. Yeah, and you you read those stories. You have you know Dave multiple Duerson. a lot of guys Bobby that have, have have committed suicide or, or done those things after their playing career is over, and it, it is always comes as a shock because you don't think that they're dealing or or impacted by by brain issues or 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 whatever they were going through. But if you are if you have a teammate, I have teammates now that I I worry about. And I hey, you good? You okay? Everything okay? You need anything because you you are fearful because of what this game does to your body. And to a man, every single one of us will do it again. And that's yep. just the nature of what it is in playing football. We are we we enjoy that part of it. We enjoy the contact. We enjoy, you know, it, it's it's a it's a it's a gladiator sport. And we want to run into that's each other. That's the word. And yeah. I sit here as a guy who's just an observer. But you are our gladiators. We enjoy it. Yeah. Randy, I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was, it's, it's a it's a twisted mind that you have to have. I was out um, in 2011. I was waiting to get re-signed, or 2010, 2011, one of the two. And I ended up signing with the with the Washington Redskins mm-hmm. at the time. And I hadn't practiced in, in months and hadn't done anything. And after my first practice, I had scars all on my neck and my shoulders. And I was like, ah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Like, it, it, it's, a, <laughs> I look, I had my shirt off and I'm looking at all of these scars on my neck and my shoulder from the shoulder pads. I'm like, ah, now I'm back to me. And that's the, the, the sickness that we, like, we are, we are full-fledged into this. We mm-hmm. enjoy running into people and knocking someone down. And if we get knocked down, uh, you got me this time, yeah. I'm getting up and you won't, it won't happen again. And here's the thing. I introduce you every day as a Super Bowl champ, right? So even though I know you as Kerry Davis and you're a radio broadcaster and you're a great dad and a great guy and a great community person, it's always going to define you that you were a football player. It always does. It, it, it's, it sits with me. It's with me wherever I go. And it's mm-hmm. something that you know I appreciate because of the, whole, the amount of work that it takes to get there, to stay there. And you enjoy that part of it. So to tell Tua Tungavaloa, even though he is a quarterback, and most people think quarterbacks are soft or timid or they don't like, they enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get blindsided. They, but if they knock someone down, have you ever seen a quarterback lay a block on a defender? How excited they yeah, get about yeah. it? Have you seen a punter hit a hit a hit a returner out of bounds and knock him down? It is a gladiator sport, and even the people that you think are the softest or the weakest on the field enjoy knocking people down and putting people on their butts. Our, our best. We we wish the best for Tua. Heck, we have a Tua jersey in the in we the do. office. And so, I still got the dolphin. Still got the bag. dolphins golf bag too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we aren't really huge fans. <laughs> That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with our blues insider from the Athletic, the great Jeremy Rutherford, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Blues fell to the Toronto Maple Leafs the other night in overtime, 5-4. to four. Before that game, I spent 20, 25, 30 minutes with Jeremy Rutherford, and we pretty much solved every problem the Blues have. I don't know if you got in touch with Army, uh, <laughs> uh, JR, but but I haven't, but we did solve every problem, didn't we? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to pass it along yet, but yeah, a lot of good, uh, <laughs> we solved everything. That was a fun chat. Thanks for coming down uh, Press Row there, Randy. Oh, it's good to see you. Hey, hey JR, I, I want to take you back to a segment we had a, a few segments ago, and, and there was a topic by one Rockio who said that Derek Jeter is the most overrated player in, in sports history. Sports. Not baseball, sports. What is your take sports on that? Sports history. Yeah. Wow, wow, He gave wow. all the analytics wow. as to why he his runs, uh, not runs saved or runs given up, just the, the inability to get to certain balls. I just want to know your opinion on it. Well, Kerry, first of all, <laughs> not sports history for sure. And I don't even think uh, baseball. Uh, I watched The Captain. I watched that documentary series. I believe it was on uh, ESPN+. Plus, and it was it was phenomenal, and so I get the argument, I get the stats, I get the whole "Hey, he played in New York" thing. But this was a phenomenal ball player. Come on, Rocky, what are you doing? <laughs> He's making decisions that numbers that don't are lie, Jr. <laughs> Except when they do. <laughs> hey, Jr. We were talking earlier about you know the Blues, and and uh, again they they seem to be giving up goals in bunches. How do they fix that? Is that is that simply a, a defenseman issue with you know with Krug out with with some of the other guys that have been in and out of the lineup? How do they they fix that and not allow so many goals and so many shots on goal yeah 3.66 per game uh, right now and it's uh, down at the very bottom of the nhl it's been a problem all year obviously uh you know i think there have been some themes when you talk about the backdoor tap-ins you talk about the penalty kill uh some things but i think also 
you know, there's a lot of different looking goals that are scored against the Blues. The other night, the first one that Toronto scored, that's a lucky bounce. You know, hits the bar, comes back, and the guy's wide open, and he puts it in. But I think uh, the rest of that game, we, we saw a few goals where the Blues are backing off in the defensive zone, and there's just not enough awareness around the net. So I think there's just been a plethora of issues, and, and then I think you get to the point where, you know, it becomes some of the personnel involved and how those goals are given up. And you know, I don't think that's anything that uh, a week with no games where Craig Bruby, Mike Van Ryan could just coach him up could fix. I think uh, it's a situation where you probably uh, have to, to look at the personnel and see if you got the right guys moving forward. JR, not to be critical of the injured Tory Krug, but it would seem logically that giving Callie Rosen, who you write about at The Athletic, more minutes than Krug will steady the defense. Yeah, I think I, like Rosen has done a great job. Now, you have to keep in mind that when you look at these numbers, and that's what I'm saying, I look at uh, Tory Krupp's numbers, and he was a minus 20, second worst on the team, uh, but he's playing a lot more minutes than Tory Krupp. He's pl- I'm sorry, uh, Callie Rosen. He's playing against uh, better opponents than Callie Rosen. But you look at Rosen, his goal share for the analytic people, 54%. Uh, he's a plus nine for the plus-minus people. You know, I think that uh, he steps into the play. He keeps plays going. He does a lot of good things. So he did a great job, I thought, with uh, Justin Falk the other night in the second pair, but they have mixed up the deep pairs. Rosen will be pushed down to the third pair with Robert Portuzo, who he's played, played a lot with. And you're going to see uh, Letty with Falk, and you're going to see Mikola with Pareko tonight. And Craig Burby said yesterday, guys, the reason for that, he really wants Mikola and Pareko to focus on the defensive responsibilities and the penalty kill. And it looks like Letty might take over that second power play unit from Colton Pareko, uh, and he's going to get some time with Justin Falk in that second pair. That didn't take long. <laughs> no, it didn't. One game, right? Yeah, they really wanted him to shoot it. They really wanted him to move the puck quicker. You know, you got a couple power play chances. Uh, probably didn't see it as much as you'd like, so they're gonna, it looks like they're going to switch to Letty. Hey, JR, there was a uh, Tarasenko gave up that turnover towards the end of the game. Were you able to catch up with him and, and kind of gauge his thoughts on, on what happened on that play before the final goal of the game uh, the other night? No, and I, just being upfront with you, tough to catch up with, uh, you know, Tarasenko after a situation like that. Um, you know, uh, with baseball, hockey, sometimes a little bit different who's available after the games. You know, hockey-wise, we get uh, three players after the game, and Tarasenko wasn't uh, among them. And then yesterday, uh, didn't see him in the locker room after practice. So have not had a chance. But, you know, tough luck play situation for the Blues. Uh, but I thought Baruby was pretty forthright in saying that, uh, that Tarasenko needs to skate with the puck, and he's got to be aware that Nylander is right there on his back. I mean, when I watched uh, Toronto, who they put out there for that overtime, guys, it was a defensive-minded unit. It was an aggressive attacking unit and I realize Nylander is an offensive player but uh, even he went out to the point flagged Tarasenko down forced him to cough up the puck and took advantage of a guy who wasn't paying that much attention. JR I'm going to put my Lindenwood education to use here my my logic class okay so both Marco Scandella and Scott Perunovic are skating and Tori Krug is going to come back presumably in a little over six weeks. The salaries of those three gentlemen combine for a little over $10 million. If Scandella and Perunovic and Krug all come back, then the Blues would need to shed some salary cap space. And, oh, conveniently, the trade deadline is in about eight weeks. <laughs> Krug gets uh, gets reevaluated in six. I'm thinking that there's... Just logically here, there's no way that the Blues can go through this season and bring those three guys back without clearing some calories, salary cap space. 
Look at that Lindenwood diploma at work. How about that? (laughs) That's the the commercial right there. Just say that. No, uh, I think you're right. I mean, going into LTIR uh, this year, uh, the Blues have had the extra cap space if they needed to bring somebody in. But you always knew that Scandella was coming back and Prinovich was coming back. Prinovich doesn't make that much money, but you do have to fit him in. And and you're right. The the timing, the timetable here uh, does uh, set up pretty well. Uh, that when you get to the trade deadline, you're probably going to be unloading some salary. I mean, I hate to get ahead of ourselves here a few you know, weeks, a month, a couple months from now, but I think it's a situation where you're probably going to be unloading some salary. So you know, there's going to be a lot of moving parts when we get close to that time. They always say reevaluated in a situation with Krug, six weeks, could it be longer? Uh, you don't know, so we're just going to have to wait. And then on the Scandella and Pernovich front, I will say this, Prinovich went through the entire practice uh, yesterday, hmm. no contact, but looked pretty good. Scandella, he did the pre-practice, so he didn't stick around. Uh, and Craig Gruby didn't want to handicap uh, what what uh, when those guys are coming back or who was ahead of who. Uh, but nonetheless, those guys are on the track back, and you're right, they're going to have to bring that salary back into the fold. Are they at a point, speaking of the Blues, where they are considering you know what moves need to be made at the trade deadline? Are they still feeling that they have an opportunity to make a run in these playoffs if, if all things go well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think what uh, Doug Armstrong has probably done, which he's, he's done for years, is uh, you obviously know the guys. You know the names. It's O'Reilly. It's Tarasenko. Perhaps it's Barbashev. It's whoever. You've made all the phone calls. You know who's interested. Yeah, things can change. You get a phone call next week or a month from now uh, that somebody else is inter- interested. That's what it's all about. You create a bidding war for a guy like uh, O'Reilly or a um, if Tarasenko, if the interest is there. Um, so I think it's just a situation where he's got his plan A, he's got his plan B, he's got his plan C, and then you just, once it, the, the schedule and the wins and losses determine which way you're going, you know, then you follow through on some of those phone calls you've already made. So, you know, can a team pick up the phone and surprise Doug Armstrong? I'm sure. Uh, but I think that he's probably spoken to a lot of those teams and they know that uh, a couple of these players are available. And Jr. Apologies to Rick Pitino, but a rookie Jordan Bennington isn't walking through that door, right? So uh, I think the Blues, and they know, everybody knows that this team is not a Stanley Cup champion. They might, because the playoffs are important financially for this organization. So I, I can see them angling for a playoff spot. But I, and by the way, I got burned by saying this just four years ago, but this team's not winning a Stanley Cup. No, I don't, I don't think so. And I think that uh, you, you can look at the financial aspect of it, and it's true. I think it's, what, $1.5, maybe $2 million that you make for a home playoff game. And that lost revenue, you know, does affect any organization. But I think that look at the money that could be made in following postseasons if the Blues are able to maximize these assets. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday, but you look at uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko. They're number five and number six on the athletics trade board. And so those are players that definitely are going to generate some interest at the trade deadline. And if you can take advantage of that, whether it's uh, bringing in picks or players or, or what have you, Doug Armstrong is going to be able to restock. And then perhaps, uh, you know, they could be back in the playoffs next year. They've got a decent enough team that can play in the postseason and, and qualify for the postseason, but they just have to get back to that point and be that type of team. So I don't think it's a five or six year deal where, you know, you're, you're looking that far down the road to make some playoff money. Uh, but I think you probably look past uh, this year, if it doesn't work for you, 
hit the retool button, move some of these guys, and then look at bringing in that uh, financial part of it in the coming season. And, and we should note, last year, Tyler Toffoli, and he was traded a little bit before the deadline, there were a couple of forwards that were able to garner number one picks for the teams that traded them. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that a, an O'Reilly, a Tarasenko, could gain you a number one draft pick. No, that's true. Uh, you look at these big salaries, they have 7.5. It's tough uh, for cap teams, you know, I think, to do that. They're going to have to do some moving and shaking those other teams to fit these salaries in. But teams do it every year, and I do think that uh, for what O'Reilly brings, even though the offensive production is down this year and the, the potential that Tarasenko has to be an elite scorer at the deadline for a team, I think is going to be attractive to those clubs, and I do think a first-round pick is possible. By the way, Claude Giroux was the other one I was thinking of that got Philadelphia number one from Florida. Jar, always great to have you with us. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Yep, talk to you guys later. And Happy New Year. You too. See you later. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll continue our 2022 year in review. Take a look at the national sports scene next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As we close down 2022, time to provide some accolades to those in the sports world. We'll start with our 22 sports story of the year. Kerry Davis, who you got or what do you got? Well, my story of the year is, you know, the trials and tribulations of one team out west. They had multiple injuries. They were written off. They were talked about how, you know, they their 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 streak was done. Their winning uh, window had closed, and that would be the Golden State Warriors and what they did, winning the NBA Finals. Steph Curry becoming the NBA Finals MVP for the first time of his career, um, and and just that story for me and how you know Clay Thompson going through two uh, multiple two two injuries that that they could have sat him out for for much longer, coming back from the ACL from the torn Achilles and being able to win a ch- another championship as well. That's my story of the year, just the the fight that they had to go through and go through a very good team in, in Boston to win that game. All right, Matthew, what do you got? Um, my fourth st- sports story of the year, and I, I got a couple from the NCAA tournament because, man, it was it was kind of a crazy march, and I think we've kind of forgotten about it. But specifically, though, my sports story of the year is going to go a few weeks before the NCAA tournament. That was because the last non-tournament uh, the last ACC tournament face-off between North Carolina and Duke. And Duke had a great season. Mm-hmm. And North Carolina was a little bit middling. They, they, they shocked a lot of people. But we didn't know how much they were going to shock us that day in March in the AC, ACC tournament when they walloped Mike Krzyzewski in his final Duke and UNC appearance. Obviously, though, they weren't done. They completely ended the Mike Krzyzewski-Duke era, but they also just completely put a coda on the specific UNC-Duke part of it. You will never be able to talk about the UNC-Duke rivalry now without having to talk about the very last year Mm -hmm. when UNC put the biggest exclamation point. I don't know if there's another rivalry I can think of. Maybe other than the Boston Red Sox coming back from their deficit and then winning the World Series to break their curse over the New York Yankees and the LCS. I cannot think of another rivalry where a team put that kind of stamp over another rivalry. UNC Duke, I'll never forget that. That was insane. And my story of the year, we talked about it 
literally all year, was Live Golf, stealing six of the top 20 PGA golfers, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Joaquin Neiman, Louis Oosthuizen, and Abraham Anser, plus number 29, Bryson DeChambeau. And that's a story that's going to bleed over into 2023 as well. And we'll find a lot more about the future viability of Live Golf uh, during 2023. But for me, those major names leaving the PGA Tour was my story of the year. All right, CD, your MVP for 2022. Well, my MVP is from that same team that won uh, the World the world Championship in Steph Curry and what he was able to do. All-star MVP, finals MVP, and just an overall great season. These Warriors are ready to celebrate. And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. These last three years, these last 48 hours, every bit of it has been an emotional roller coaster on and off the floor. And you're carrying all of that on a daily basis to try to realize a dream and a goal like we did tonight. And uh, you get goosebumps just thinking about, you know, all those snapshots and episodes that we went through to get back here. Just the, the like I said, the trials and tribulations that that team went through. Klay Thompson going down, but Steph Curry finally getting his finals MVP. Should be his second, but finally mm-hmm. getting his first. And, and there were people questioning how great he was because he had never won one of those. And I think that win, uh, getting that finals MVP, finally put all of those questions to bed. And he shows you that he is a top, you know, 10 player to ever play this game, potentially depending on who, you, who you're asking mm-hmm. uh, because of how he has changed the game with his long ball and, and, and just really one of the best players to ever do it. All right, the MVP of Matthew Rocchio. I'm going to go with the man who you know got a big contract a few years ago, and I think some people wondered if he was ever going to live up uh, to the hype. And then, uh, well, in this city especially, we got to see firsthand the man living up to the hype. I'm going to go with Philly Slugger for my MVP of this year, the man who led him to that, to let, let him do an astronomical moment. I just loved everything that happened for him this year. I'm going to go with the man who hit some bombs in this past October. Oh, Allen's driven deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Harper. It is one nothing Phillies. Garbage comes home and a great MVP, Bryce Harper. Lifts one the other way. That sends Profar back. Is it too high or did he get it? No. I mean, you have the swing of your life in a season like he had. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with Bryce Harper for my MVP of 2022. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm also going to baseball. But my MVP is Shohei Otani, an 875 OPS, 34 homers, 95 RBIs as a hitter. As a pitcher, 15-9 and nine with a 2.33 earned run average, 219 strikeouts in 166 innings. Something to cheer about. Otani long gone. Angels take the lead four to three. His 33rd home run of the season. And another time, Otani and Trout Homer in the same game. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Another strikeout. In there. Got him. Got him. Swing and a miss. That's the spot. That's unreal. And he 
guy on the mound has just been outstanding tonight. He is one of one. My MVP is Shohei Ohtani. All right, CD, your breakout performer of the year. Well, my newcomer of the year is is from the team that won the World Series. He was the World Series MVP. He was the ALC. I mean, yeah, the ALCS MVP. Won the Gold Glove, and obviously a World Champion in winning the World Series. Is one Jeremy Pena, shortstop, did a fantastic job this season in the playoffs, and just was spectacular. One one is a swing and a towering fly ball to deep left field and gone. Jeremy Pena gives it a ride and it is four to one Houston. Look back at Altuve and the pitch to Pena and he'll swing and hit it past Bone down the left field line into the corner. Altuve in to score. Pena takes his place at second. And two pitches into the bottom of the first. The Astros have a one to nothing lead. And Randy, to quote the great Demetrius Johnson, great players, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Yep. And that's exactly what Jeremy Pena did all postseason. He was one of the biggest players in the biggest moments. And, and World Series MVP, ALCS MVP, world champion, and did an outstanding job to help that team win a World Series. Awesome. Uh, I cheated a little bit on my newcomer of the year because, listen, this was this uh, the, the fourth appearance for St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament? Yes. But could you have named that prior to the tournament actually starting? Starting. The answer to that is no, you could not have. So my newcomer of the year is going to be the St. Peter's Peacocks and what they pulled off in March Madness. Wheeler gives it up. Brooks, the jumper. No good. You can feel the madness. St. Peter's pulls off the upset. The Peacocks are giant killers. Six of seven, 64, four seconds left. They don't like the foul, remember. Ivy for the tie. continues for St. Peter's. The Peacocks make history. The first 15 seed to the Elite Eight in NCAA tournament lore. That was incredible. No, again, what a run. The, the newcomer for the first time ever being yep. a 15 seed, making it to the Elite Eight. You can count that for my newcomer. Yep. St. Peter's Peacocks, that was incredible. And my breakout performer of the year is Jalen Hurts. He led the Eagles to the playoffs, obviously, in 2021. But this year, he's passed for 22 touchdowns. He's third in rushing touchdowns with 13. He's in the MVP conversation. So my breakout performer is Jalen Hurts. Okay, biggest disappointment of the year. Kerry Davis. My biggest disappointment is Brett Favre. The misuse of funds from Mississippi, from the welfare uh, department, just not taking care of his business. Text messages coming out saying, asking it, or if the media gets a hold of this, are we going to be in trouble? Which, which leads me and others to believe you knew exactly what you were doing was wrong, yet you continue to do it. I guess he tried to return some of the money, but not all of it. Um, when you are a, a person in that light and you understand that what you're doing is wrong, you probably shouldn't be doing it. But the fact that it's it's money that's intended for welfare recipients and, yeah. and you, a former NFL player, a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, ha, 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 still has commercials on TV, still obviously making money in different avenues, that you would be a part of that is just absolutely disgusting to me and, and should be looked at hard at, as to – hey, we should take those commercials off and we shouldn't continue to have to hear or see from you, Brett Favre. But just being that type of person, it just to me that was one of the biggest disappointments for a, a Hall of Fame quarterback that had a hell of a career. For me, it was the very beginning of, of the 2022 and the NFL really, really let me down. 
First of all, we had maybe the ugliest uh, game ever in NFL history. You guys remember Week 18 of start 2022 when the Raiders and the Chargers had the tie off? Essentially, oh, yeah, that, was great. that that was an abomination of football. Every time Kerry talks about how uh, below 500 or 500 teams don't deserve to be in the playoffs, I think about that game. But that wasn't the most disappointing moment for me in 2022. It was about a month later when I had to watch one of the most just disgusting things I've ever seen in my entire life, and that was Stan Kroenke raise up a Lombardi Trophy. Yeah. That broke Dude. my heart. It was a disappointment that the world allowed a bad person to have a good thing happen to them. I hate when it happens. It always does. And that was my most disappointing moment of 2022. That's a good one. My biggest disappointment actually was our USA uh, national men's soccer team playing to a draw on the pitch in their kits with Wales in the World (laughs) Cup prevented them from getting into the knockout round. Uh, You can't beat Wales. I mean, Wales don't even have feet. Uh, right? They, they just have a little tail. I don't think it's, though, it's, those are different whales than those guys from Wales. Oh. But like the, the, he it's takes up the entire goal. Never mind. <laughs> all you can do is a 1-1 or a 0-0 tie. Come yeah. on. You, you, you got to beat Wales. I mean, you're the USA, for God's sakes. You've yeah. got to beat Wales. And you didn't, and you deserved your fate, unfortunately. That's a, that's a, that's a very fair one. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, all right. Moment. Not the first time the United States men's national team has disappointed us. Yeah. Moment of the year. My moment of the year is Rock's newcomer of the year. It's the St. Peter's run through the NCAA tournament just – Watching them, that's the beautiful thing about college basketball and March Madness is you get to see teams that you may, maybe never even heard of or never even seen, and it is absolutely spectacular to watch those guys go through that run uh, in that in that in that se- in the tournament that year. Um, and then you 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 think about you get to see Shaheen Holloway who. I didn't know he was the head coach. You, no one, I, I had no clue. But I remember watching him at Seton Hall and and all of the great things he did as a basketball player. And you learn that oh, he's coaching these guys. Okay, they play with a toughness. They got a grit to them. And, mm-hmm. and then you realize oh, they can beat these teams. And it, you you buy in to the point where you think oh, maybe they can win a national championship. Obviously, they fell short. But just that entire run for me was the moment of the year. It was the moment of college basketball, but really the moment of the year. And it was awesome my moment of the year for me it always jumps out when things that were not always we, we don't always focus on takes over sports for a day and when you're outside the four major sports and everyone in the world is talking about one thing that jumps out to me and that was the third round match that she or, or the third round match that serena williams eventually lost to Arya Tomiljanovic because everyone in the moment that could yeah. get to a TV that could bring up the U.S. Open feed on their computer or their or their phone, they were getting to it when they could. And the the moment when she won the last set before she eventually fell, the roar from the crowd. And heck, we were here we were here at 101 ESPN Studio. The 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 collective roar from the people watching it here at Hubbard. It was amazing. And again, anytime mm-hmm. you can have a non-four sports moment take over like that, it's it's going to be one of my favorite ones. And obviously, just the outpouring of feelings over her career when that was her final moment, that in afterwards just made it rise to even more so the top. But yeah, Serena in that, in that U.S. Open uh, volleys in that run was incredible. My moment of the year was that I didn't realize that I could hold my breath for five minutes. But we have a tendency <laughs> to forget what led up to my moment of the year. We're in Kansas City. We've got Buffalo and we've got the Chiefs. 154 left. Chiefs up 26-21. Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis. Two-point conversion good. 29-26 Bills. There's one score in the last two minutes. 102 remaining. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Harrison Butker with the extra point. It's 33-29 Kansas City with 102 to go. Back comes Buffalo. 
Gabriel Davis, a 19-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen, 36-33 in favor of the Bills. 13 seconds left on the clock. No way. No way, right? <laughs> not, not, not possible. To this point, right here's up. They're going to have a chance. And they call timeout quickly. They actually have a chance to get Bucker in field goal range here. Chief Hicks. Got to throw it right away. Right now, someone in the middle. Down the middle. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a 48-yard attempt. Only 48 yards. That's what it'll be. I just... When Kelsey moved his leverage inside, I was like, he's going to throw this right here over the middle quickly. How do you let him get that open? Patrick Mahomes moves the Chiefs 44 yards in 10 seconds, 19 yards to Tyreek Hill, 25 yards to Travis Kelsey. That was my moment of the year. It set up the tying field goal. Kansas City would win the game in overtime on a touchdown pass, of course, from Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. But, man, 44 yards in 10 seconds? That was spectacular. I'm still bothered that the Bills kicked it out of the end zone on the kickoff Stupid. as opposed to squibbing it down the middle, letting some time run off the clock because that was too much time even for Patrick. For for, it, for, for Patrick Mahomes, it's way mm-hmm. too much time. 13 seconds, you may not think so, but clearly it was. Yeah. So that's what we have for you. For our moments, our disappointments, our newcomers, our MVPs and stories of 2022. Coming up, we want you to react for a little bit to the most overrated person in the history of sports. We're here until 11 today because T-Mac and Ajax are taking this week off. So we're here till 11 here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, uh, text 65780. We're giving you the opportunity to give us your most overrated person ever in sports. I'm saying it's Bill Belichick. Uh, Rock says it's Derek Jeter. That's a hot take from a hot studio there. It's cold. It actually, it's cold it's, it's, take yeah, it's a cold, cold take from a studio. cold studio today. Yeah. Actually, it's a, it's a chilly one in here, boys. It is a little cold. Cold in take here. from a cold studio. Yeah. It, who's your definitive choice. I'm going to go with street clothes. That's I a good think, call. I think he is, uh, it bothers me that he's on the top 75 slash 76 players of all mm-hmm. time and Clay Thompson is not. It really bothers me. That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. All right. Some text 65780 from the 636. I want to preface this by saying I really love Magic Johnson, but he wasn't a great shooter. He wasn't a great defender. He had Worthy and Kareem and Coop. Who do you have when he won the national championship at Michigan State? Just him. Okay. Well, he had one other guy, I, I, but I don't think it was it was him. Yeah. Him, him, and Larry were going back and forth. Yeah. And when, when he retired, what did what did Worthy and Coop and Kareem wind up doing? Yeah, well, when, they were, when he left, they weren't they weren't yeah they they didn't have much else going. Okay, just ask. He, he created a whole brand for not only the Lakers but the NBA. They were Showtime. You had Laker girls. I know that was Jerry Buss mm-hmm. and, and his idea, but it started because of Magic because of his look this way and throw it this way and and his ability to to run the court and do all of the things. And when Kareem got hurt in the finals, what did Magic do? He played center. He hit the hook shot. He won the game. Magic Johnson, for those that don't know, I believe was a three-time MVP, league MVP, Mm -hmm. four or five to five-time champion. What are we talking about here? Is there a... If Magic were in his prime right now and were playing in the NBA, would he be the best point guard in the league? No. uh, Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. 
he 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 would Chris Paul would be in would, would be in deep water when he took him down there in the post if he chose to do so. I mean, just look at look at look at what I mean. Luca's six seven two twenty, and he's he, he's more athletic than Luca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yes, I, I would say yes. And and we talk about the difference in in eras. If he were playing in this era, he probably would have a better jumper. Yeah, he would probably work on it more, shoot it more because it would be the necessity to to play in this league at this time. Yeah, he did. And this isn't doesn't make a guy overrated or underrated, but he did change the way the game is played because tall people just didn't do what he did, and now they do. Yes, magic was amazing. Yeah, uh, from the three one four, somebody agrees with me. Bill Belichick, most overrated. <laughs> it's, it's it's a good argument. Uh, this is this one bothers me. Six one eight. I had another friend. I had a friend when I threw this out to a, a group of people yesterday. Throw this one out. Deion Sanders. That is. A wrong take. That no. is an awful no. take. The man's like this is why again. While if you Google it right now, these lists, Ozzy Smith's at the top one. If you are properly rated for the one thing you are known as, how are you overrated? You're the best cover corner in NFL history. Yes. I don't care that you shied away from tackling people. You're the best cover corner in NFL history. That's what you did. You can't be overrated then. I, I will I will I will disagree with the shying away from tackling people because Deion has said this many times. Show me a video. If there were if there were highlights of him getting run over, missing tackles, not choosing the tackle, that would be on YouTube and someone would have put that together at this point. 20 years later, 15 years later, we would have multiple highlights of him not tackling people. He he yeah. did what he was supposed to do. And I will say this. Dion, in my opinion, is probably 1A, 1B, or, or number two best defensive player to ever play the game. If you want to say Lawrence Taylor is number one, I'm fine with that. Dion is right there at number two because of his ability to play football. I don't think there's any and, – and, a spectacular athlete played baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah. was he was an, an an elite athlete that most people would dream to be. Now, I want you guys to weigh in on this one from the three one four. We get a text that says Phil Mickelson, and I would love to agree with Phil Mickelson, but I don't think that if you were pretty definitively the second best guy in the era that Tiger Woods played, I don't think that you can you were necessarily overrated. I think you played at an unfortunate time. Yeah, but I think if not that he would have been Tiger, but if there wouldn't have been Tiger, Phil would be considered one of the greatest of all time. I mean, you look at all of the guys that play when when Michael was playing. It's kind of a similar situation. It's hard to win championships when the guy that is – the best is the best to ever do it. And so that's the kind of the, the the situation that you fall into if you're Phil Mickelson is you're playing against or competing against what some believe is the best player to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. And you're in his era. It's not going to be many championships or many opportunities to win many as many tournaments as it would be if he were not there. How about Chris Bryant? Not all time, but right now, Chris Bryant. He was supposed to be the guy. The guy. And it just it kind of fell off a cliff really kind of quickly right after the, the World Series. They, they just didn't didn't happen anymore for them, yeah. for him. And one last one uh, from the 314, Mark McGuire is overrated. I don't think anybody ever suggested that McGuire was one of the best hitters of all time or one of the best fielders of all time, even though he did win a gold glove. He was regarded as one of the best home run hitters yes. of all time. And he has more home runs per at-bat than anybody in the history of the game. So I would say that based upon what he's supposed to be, which most baseball observers say, I don't think that he is overrated. I think he's properly Properly rated. rated. I agree with that. I would agree with that. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers? 
I, I be, just because obviously he's got all the numbers, but he's got the one Super Bowl win. He's one of the two or three best to play during his era, so uh, the numbers bear it out. I, I would suggest that he's not overrated when you're throwing forty eight and seven interceptions and, every year and four time MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't. You Pretty can't good. be. It's hard to be overrated when you are the MVP of the league or have multiple championships. That, right. That's. I think that's uh that's that's kind of crazy. Thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, some NFL fill in the gaps here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So that one, uh, I just I, we got a text that said, uh, uh, so I have to throw this in there. I think Randy is losing it. The U.S. men's team advanced to the knockout stage after beating Iran. And I said, so you're going with that rather than the fact that I said actual <laughs> whales were playing soccer? So it was a joke, people. It was a joke. It was fun. All right, uh, it's time to fill in some NFL gaps here. Rock, what do you got for us? Well, we've been talking a lot the last two weeks about the Detroit Lions, but then they get bitten by a, a, a Panthers team who's also getting a little hot, and all of a sudden the, the, the is died down completely. So, very simple question here. Do you still have any belief or hope in the Detroit Lions of making a little bit of a Cinderella run here for the playoffs and maybe in the playoffs? Not this year. No. No, I, I think they still have an opportunity. You're sitting there at 7-8 and eight, uh, with two games left against the Bears, which I think they could win, mm-hmm. and a Packers team, which is obviously a divisional rival. But the Packers are, are fighting for their playoff lives as well. Um, if, you're the, if you're the Detroit Lions, I think that they play so much better at home than they do on the road. Obviously, when they play the Bears this weekend, that should be a win, which will put them in position. You still have two teams in front of you, though, in the in the Washington Commanders and the um, New York Giants. It depends on what they do. Um, but even if you don't make the playoffs, if you're the Detroit Lions, this gives you hope for what the future could hold because I do think that they are in a great position. They are, they are setting things up to be a very good team in the NFC North for years to come. Um, they get some pieces on this defense, whether it be in the draft or free agency for next season. They could be a very good football team and a dangerous team to play against every single year. I think one of the things that they learned last week is that they do need some help on the interior of their defensive yep. line. Yep. And whether they take that with one of their first rounders or later in the draft, I think that'll benefit them. And then you always like to have that, and everybody wants to have it, that that sideline to sideline middle linebacker, their their linebacking core leaves something to be desired, so they could use that guy too. Yeah, they, they, and they have you know multiple first round draft picks, so they could potentially go get that guy. Um, you know, for the interior part of the defensive mm-hmm. line, I think Jalen Carter is a guy that you may be looking at from Georgia. Uh, if you want to get another rusher on the outside, Will Anderson from from Alabama is a is a is a stud um, at outside linebacker, DN type of rusher. So you know you'll have that, and then you know potentially go find that linebacker or secondary guy that could help them, you know, keep teams from running the ball up the gut the way that the Carolina Panthers did and throwing it over their head. And we were talking off the air about a former teammate of yours, Casey Hampton. Yep. I, think, I think that's the defensive lineman they need more than the, the three-technique guy. Yeah, you get a guy like Casey Hampton, Haloti Nada, those men are large individuals. I was telling you, Randy, we we watched, we were watching film one day and Mike T stopped the film uh, halfway right in the position. Casey was on one leg and had 200, two 300-pound men pushing him and he did not move. It was 
was it was a few seconds where he was just stuck there. You get a couple of guys, you get a guy like that that is not able to be moved easily. It helps you defensively yeah. tremendously. So you know, find one of those guys that can can stuff the run and, and get after the quarterback and, and force pressure up the middle. Earlier this fall, the Titans fired their general manager. They have since gone on a five-game losing streak and could lose the division to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's just say they go one and one in these final two weeks, but they, they go lose one and one in these final, final two weeks. weeks. But they lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they lose, they lose to, to the, the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. Is Mike Vrabel's job in jeopardy? No, I think he actually accumulated more power. Yeah. When they got rid of John Robinson. I don't I don't think it is either. I think, you know, you got a, a quarterback issue with Tannehill being hurt. And potentially not being the guy that you need. You trade away A.J. Brown in the offseason, which clearly was a an awful decision because mm-hmm. if you already struggle passing, why would you trade away one of the pass receivers? Uh, it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense would, for them to do that. Would you agree with me, just looking from whatever, a couple hundred miles away, that that one move is what got John Robinson oh, fired? Yeah. Well, because you was, trade him and then he lights you up when you play against there them. There you go. <laughs> when you play against him and now he's doing all of those things, you're like, hey, he did that for us mm-hmm. last year. Why is he over there doing that to us now? And that's the those are the decisions that, you know, get you fired because what did they get in return? Draft picks? They didn't get they the pick that they wound up taking Traylon Burks, uh, Traylon Burks with. Yeah, you, you so basically you traded Traylon Burks for for AJ Brown. Yeah, not great. Not a great deal. The NFC South is still up in the air between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the aforementioned Carolina Panthers. Right now, the Carolina Panthers are sitting a game behind the Buccaneers with two to play. They're six and nine. The Buccaneers are seven eight. But the point differential, they're twelve points better than the Buccaneers right now. If you were a betting man and I was forcing you to put some money down on the Buccaneers or Panthers to win a wild card game, who would you give better odds to? To win a wild card to game, win a wild card game. Who would you give better odds I, to? The Buccaneers be or the Panthers? It's, it's, I'm, I'm, just go, I'm going. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to Brady. It's, yeah. it's nothing else. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking Brady to win the game. That, that's that's where I lie to. I would pick Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to win a wild card game. But here's the thing, Rock. Very. They. I don't think they make it to the wild card game. I think the Carolina Panthers play at Tampa Bay on Sunday. They will have an opportunity to win that game. They've already beaten the Buccaneers once this year. Tampa Bay is struggling mightily on in all facets, yeah, facets of football. And I don't know why. I, Tom Brady is struggling. The offense is struggling. They're not running the football particularly well. They are going to lose this weekend to Carolina. Carolina will take the front seat of that NFC South division, go to go to New Orleans and probably win there as well, and, and be in the playoffs, and the Buccaneers will be watching. I hate this because everybody that I talk to that knows Todd Bowles personally says he's just an unbelievably great guy. Yeah. They don't look like a very well-coached team. It, it's it's something missing. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know where the 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 issues lie. They just I don't, don't have much spark, do they, they? They do not. And I think it goes back. Think about this, Randy. It goes back to training camp. You know, uh, Tom Brady took that two week sabbatical where he was out doing whatever mm-hmm. ten days, whatever that was. And you as a head coach, you know, you you allowed it to happen. And so going forward, I said this earlier in the season. Tom Brady is is yelling at the offensive lineman. Bro, don't yell at me. You ain't been here. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to? Right. But they can't say it because it's Tom Brady. But I know that there were a few of them thinking that we were in some, we were in training camp, you know, fighting our butts off while you were doing whatever it was you were doing. You had some some family issues. We all have family issues, Tom. We are all dealing with things with our wives, girlfriends, uh, whatever the case, kids. We all have things going on, but you got to take some time mm-hmm. off from it, and we didn't. And I think that led to what you see now on the field. It's not it's not a hundred percent accurate, but I'm sure that there are some some things that are inside some of those guys. Like man, I, I don't, why do I need to listen to him? He wasn't even here half the time. 
So it, that that leads to guys not wanting to not doing their job at, at the level needed to to be successful. And we got a text here from the 314. This would kind of shock me if it's true, but I want to ask Kerry Davis. You played in a, a city with some bad weather at some time. How can the Buffalo weather f- affect the Bills' practice and prep this week, and how could it impact the Bengals' game? Oh, well, you you if you are a cold-weather team, the, the best thing you do or one of the things that players hate is you practice outside. You go outside, you practice. If it's going to be wet, sometimes the coaches will throw the balls in water and force you to throw them wet, carry them wet, run, you know, catch them wet. And so those are some of the things that can help you prepare for the game. When it gets down to the game time, elements are are going to impact both teams. But if you are more prepared, if you are from that city and you are accustomed to it, Cincinnati is not a, a hot weather city either, so they won't be... 62 degrees on Monday, 54 for the low. In Cincinnati? In Cincinnati. Or, oh, well, so it's, what's the... what's the? It's going to it's gonna help. You just practice indoors, though. You just practice indoors. It's not going to be yeah. an issue. Yeah. But if you, are, if you are playing in cold weather, then you prepare for cold weather by... One other thing they used to do, Randy, which I thought was even worse than being outside because psychologically it tears your mind up. They would let you go inside, open the doors, and turn the AC on. And it's just as cold, if not colder, indoors. You think, oh, we're going inside. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> and the doors are open. The wind is cutting through, and it is freezing in there. So you've had multiple workplaces like that. <laughs> Indeed I have. Because <laughs> this place is cold on a daily basis. The only difference between that, Randy, yeah. halfway through practice, I didn't have to take everything off because it, it got hot. And here, right. at times, it, it gets changes, so hot, yeah. I take my sweatshirt off, it's it's a little warm. So we know Joe Buck is listening, so it's just a, a nice heavy sweater on, on yep. for the 50-degree weather. Not even a heavy sweater, nah, just you, a, nice, a nice sweater on. You can take layers off, Just wear the regular suit. He'll, yeah. He can just go with the regular standard suit on Monday night. I didn't know you could get Jet Copter 2 all the way to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, no, that's weather. We Traffic oh, and weather okay. together, oh, but... Okay. Uh, the, the internet is unbelievable, though, with the weather thing. You just it's type rest. in Cincinnati weather, and it's crazy. It gives you all the information you need. Unbelievable. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we all want Colton Pareko to play like Chris Pronger, but is that ever really going to happen? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, again, I think you all need to leave him alone, number one. He's not me. He's Colton Pareko. Uh, and you can't make a player play the way he doesn't play. That's Hall of Fame Blues defenseman Chris Pronger. And he has been asked that question a lot. As a matter of fact, Jeremy Rutherford brought it up on BK and Ferrario yesterday about how he was interviewing Pronger and Pronger said, look, just like that, he's not going to be me. It was interesting, CD, at the game the other night when Tory Krug was hurt for the first game, and at that point, Colton Breaker was on the power play, we were standing around saying, you know, why don't they just do the power play like they used to do with Al McKinnis, who's a Hall of Famer too, and mm-hmm. the Athletic has as the 37th best player in the history of the league. <laughs> why don't we just put Pareko back on the point and let him do what Al McKinnis used to do? And we were so spoiled by the way Chris Pronger played in his Hall of Fame career and Al McKinnis played in his Hall of Fame career, that we see a big guy and we don't care about his personality or his style of play. We just expect him to be those guys because we saw that before from those guys. And Colton Pareko is not those guys. Is Colton Pareko a nice player? Yes. But he's a nice player in a certain style. He's never 
going to be mean. He's never going to slash guys like Pronger did. He's never going to shoot all the time like McInnes did. The Blues built their power play around getting the puck to the point to Al McInnes and just let him blast yep. away. And he didn't care about breaking people's ankles. He, he kind of enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. Uh, JR said <laughs> he asked uh, McInnes if he ever shot the puck at a guy's helm, uh, a goalie's mask. He said, of course. Yeah. 100 miles an hour at the goalie's mask. That's not who Colton Pareko is. And so like Prong says, you got to let him be himself. And the Blues are doing that by taking him off the power play. He's a he's a serviceable, more than serviceable defenseman, but he's not a Hall of Famer. And I think we need to come to grips with the fact that he, in his eighth year, he is what he is. Well, I, I guess my question would be was what would people I, I, other than being Chris Pronger, he's mm-hmm. he, he's not going to be that. What more do they want from him? Is it effort? Is it because you're a big guy, you want him to run into people and and let them know, let them know your presence is being felt. What do you need from him uh, on a consistent basis that would make Blues fans happy or, or feel comfortable? Here's with the thing: him out there. you want the Blues to knock people out of the I, crease and I be more physical, do. right? Yes, he's got the size. He's yeah. six five and two thirty. Yeah, but I, he's just not a physical player. That's the problem. He he doesn't play like a six five, two hundred and thirty yeah. pound guy. That is an issue, and I think that's more so an issue with. I guess the the transition of different eras, and not just not just uh, hockey. You know, you have it in basketball, you have it in football. You have guys who are physically big enough to do certain things, but still won't do certain mm-hmm. things that you saw people that look like them in the past do. Here's the thing: when you play fullback, you have to be aggressive. Yes, right. Yes, you're an aggressive athlete. You get on the field. Uh, you see some players. Robert Thomas has become a really aggressive hockey player, mm-hmm. and Colton doesn't always play aggressively. Yeah, and that mirrors his personality. He's just a super nice guy. He doesn't want anybody to be, he doesn't want anybody to be unhappy, let alone he doesn't want anybody to be hurt. Randy, I told you a story yesterday yesterday about a really nice guy, Hall of Fame type of guy, yeah, Hall yeah. of Fame player, yeah. who is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Soft-spoken, kind, caring, compassionate, and when he got on the field and he let his hair down, he became an animal. And that's all you're asking from your players is you can be nice, you can be respectful, but there has to be a fine line. We would say when you step inside those white lines, your 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 personality has to shift. It has to mm-hmm. change. And I, I would assume it's the same as when you get on that hockey ring. When your when your your blades touch that ice, you have to be a different person than you are outside of the hockey rink. And and generally yep. speaking, those are the things that allow you to have success and allow you to stay in the places is when you have a different demeanor, a different attitude. And if somebody's in your way, you got to knock them down right. every now and then just so they don't continue to get in your way. And the best and worst thing that happened to Colton Pareko was in the 2019 playoffs, he was the best defenseman in the whole league. Mm-hmm. And part of that was he was playing with Jay Bomeister. Mm-hmm. And the Blues, it wasn't just us laymen that were saying, man, he's a stud. The Blues signed him to a contract to be a number one guy when Pareko left. Yeah. So they thought that they were going to get that, too. And it's just not there. He's making $6.5 million, and at this stage, he just is what he is. So it's a texter from the 636 just texted in. It's like a tight end who doesn't want to block. You got Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is not there to block defensive ends. Yeah. He's there to catch touchdown passes. So if Colton Pareko is not there to to put bodies on bodies, what is he there to do? You mentioned taking that, that slap shot at the, at, at the point when, when it's mm-hmm. sent back to you, and if 
someone someone's in the way, eh, you, maybe you get a broken leg, maybe you get a bruised knee, maybe you get something hurting on you that you decide the next time that that shot comes, I'm not really try. I'm going to pretend like I want to block it, but I'm going to slide out of the direction of that puck so I don't get hit again. Okay, this is going to sound mean. All right, I, I don't mean it to be mean. Colton is six five two thirty. Tory Krug is probably five ten one ninety. They do the same thing. Hmm. That's what it is. Now, Krug is a little bit better quarterback on the power play, but essentially they they play the same way. I, I some people are 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 given certain things because they know that their personality is is meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. I tell people often, if I was six five, two hundred thirty pounds, I would probably be picking people by the top of their heads yep. and moving them out of the way. That's just my personality at five ten to fifty five. I I just. If you're in the way, you should get out of my way. I, I, I don't mean it to be rude or disrespectful, no. but that's just the the nature of me. And if he's not, if that's not in him, or that's not who he is, to to expect it out of him is gonna is gonna lead you to be frustrated every single time. Here's the thing, and you are a perfect comp because you're the nicest guy in the world. But like Troy Palomalu, you have a mean streak. Yeah. Colton Pareko does not have a mean streak. I, that's I, the difference. I don't think you can put it in them. No, no you can't. <laughs> just, just, no, and, and that's but, what Prongs is saying. But the thing is, if that's not who you are, you have to be good at other things. Yeah. You have to do other things well. And if you are, if you don't want to take slap shots that are going to hurt people, it's a, it's you. I would say you take the mindset is I'm going to shoot this puck as hard as I can. It's on you to get out of the way. Yeah. Teammates included. Bingo. If I'm I, Bob Sanders to me is one of the most violent tacklers I have ever seen. So much so that he would hurt his own self to get into tackles. And if you are a linebacker that didn't get the guy on the ground before he got there, you might get an elbow hit with a helmet or a shoulder pad. You might get your back ran into because he was coming in there <laughs> with violent intentions because you guys didn't get the guy on the ground first that's your fault it's not my fault right and, and that's the that's the personality that you would want him to have right. that's the mentality and by the way last year after the all-star break Colton Pareko was a plus 32 in something like 26 27 games he was a plus 32 player so he's got that in him it just needs to come out on a, and, and that's that has nothing to do with aggressiveness that's just playing good solid fundamental hockey that's what he needs to do is at his size, we, we understand now what he is, but he just needs to play good, solid, fundamental hockey. That means carrying the puck and getting it out of his own zone, playing a good team game. We know that you're not going to physically knock people out of the crease, but have a good stick defensively yeah. uh, near the crease and just do what you do well. And here's the thing. If you're, if you're as big as he is, you don't actually have to hit people all the time. No. The threat of hitting someone generally leads people to do things that they may not want to do. And and that would mean closing the space, moving your feet, not just, you know, leaning your stick out in front of you, but actually moving your feet, skating to the man and putting a body near him, even if you don't want to put a body on him. Exactly. Exactly. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, even more trouble for the Washington. Yeah, even more trouble for the Washington <laughs> Commanders. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio. It is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. And Kerry, uh, this weekend, the Washington Commanders are going to, uh, at the behest of their fans who voted, unveil 
a mascot for the first time in franchise history. I guess they had a mascot before, but you couldn't really keep the Indian guy. No, they couldn't. They, yeah, that wasn't. That didn't work oh, out. Here we go. Victory. Greatest fight song in NFL history. So, a vote determined that the mascot for the Washington Commanders should be a hog because back in the day, the hogs were their offensive line. The the group up front was their offensive line. Well, because of the presence of Dan Snyder as the owner of the franchise, the actual hogs, including Mark May and Joe Jacoby and Jeff Bostic, that group has filed a lawsuit saying that they don't want a hog which they feel like they have proprietary right of, to be the mascot because they don't want any association between them and Dan Snyder. That says a lot. I mean, <laughs> it really that, does. That, that says a lot about what they feel this or, the, the direction of this organization, what they feel about the direction of the owner of the organization, that they don't want to even be associated with it uh, in, in any form or fashion. That, that and. Randy, it's one thing when your when your fans are are screaming at the top of their lungs and 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 shouting and upset. It's another thing when you have former players that are screaming and saying, "We don't want to be a part of this." Mm-hmm. It, it's time for for Dan Snyder to just say, "You know what? Enough is enough. I, right. I I need to remove myself from this situation. No one is happy with me." And Nobody. I, I I wonder if if when you're in that type of situation, do you ever look at yourself internally and say? Yeah, no one likes me. Why is that? Is, or do you just say, what the hell is wrong with everyone else in the world? I think when you have that much money, you probably have people around you that act like your friends because they think they... Oh, we, we've right? seen that from yeah. some people. Yeah. 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 So that's my guess is that nobody until these guys come around actually says, we hate you. Yeah. Now, it's the, the group that has threatened the lawsuit, as we mentioned, is... Uh, Joe Jacoby, Mark May, Fred Dean, Doc Walker, who, by the way, was an analyst on the radio broadcast for a long time, (laughs) and John Riggins, who you figure would be part of this. And what they wrote is, uh, the newly created Washington Commanders are a different franchise with a completely different team name that we believe has no legal claim to the original Hogs legacy and brand created 40 years ago. Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders are trying to profit off the original Hogs legacy by taking that trademark, I guess they had trademarked mm-hmm. Hogs, and associated goodwill and brand equity of the original Hogs. The Commanders are using the original Hogs brand for commercial purposes with no compensation to the men whose blood, sweat, equity uh, built the original Hogs brand 40 years ago. So the the original Hogs don't want to be associated with them at all. And so what they need to do probably is just get rid of the Hog mascot and go back to plan B. Yeah, well, I think if you have, if they have that Hogs brand trademarked and, and now you have an, mm-hmm. a company or an entity trying to use said brand, it, it can become a legal issue. And either Dan Snyder is going to have to come out of the pocket which it doesn't seem like they want money. They no. want to not even be associated with this as long as you are here. And it is a different, it's a different, it's the same franchise, but a different team name. They are no longer the Redskins. They are the, the commanders now. And I'm sure there were people that were not happy with the name change from football team to commanders. And now you're trying to really rebuild some of that brand that you had mm-hmm. when you were the Redskins with naming yourself, with, with coming up with the mascot of the Hogs. It, it's, 
I think it's cheap and it's a little cheesy yeah. for Dan Snyder to do. And, and I think those men that are, are, are threatening the lawsuit are feeling the same way. The vote was between a hog and a dog. <laughs> In Minnesota, we see a, a, a giant, goofy-looking Viking, right? Yep. In New England, we see a giant, goofy-looking patriot. Mm-hmm. Why can't you come up with a giant, goofy-looking commander? I would agree. That that seems like the the most fitting way to go about it. Right. And and you, Dan Snyder has had a few... Has has had some rough times this season. I mean, obviously the reports that have come out, the 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 saying that he had, he knew where, where what all of the other owners, he knew secrets about them. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Sean Taylor mask out that that the 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 uh, the, the opening where you show well, they the, call, they the called it a statue. The statue. It was not that. It was it was something. It was, it was a, a mannequin. It was a mannequin. Is what it was. <laughs> and, and it's one of the little mannequins that are in the building that when you walk on, it shows you how the uniform should yeah. be, uh, how you should dress properly. It, it seemed like one of those. So you had that debacle, and now you have the hogs debacle. Dan Snyder, just 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 step away. You're going to make denominator. you're going to make a ton of money just by stepping away. Mm-hmm. You'll have less headaches, less stress dealing with people. Clearly, you don't know how to deal with people in a in a in a fair fashion. So just step away, mm-hmm. and and people will be more appreciative of you as you leave than they have ever been while you're been while you've been there. By the way, in a roundabout way, I want to I'll circle back to Dan Snyder. The Broncos sold for $4.6 billion. Before the Broncos sold for $4.6 billion, Dean Spanos' sister had filed a lawsuit asking for a portion of the Chargers to be sold so that they could fund a Chargers foundation. Hmm. But once the Broncos did sell for $4.6 billion, she came back as one of the people who's in the family, Mm -hmm. his sister, yeah, maybe we're being a little bit presumptuous here to try to (laughs) sell part of the franchise. Why don't we just keep it? Well, if the Broncos sold for four point six bill, yeah, what could you make for the Commanders? I mean, with that legacy, it's even though it's not the Redskins anymore, it's the team in Washington D.C. And if you're good, all the politicians can't wait to come to your game. Mm-hmm. Washington D.C. wants to build a stadium for somebody who's not Dan Snyder. He's going to make six, seven billion dollars if he sells. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, and then he can buy season tickets. <laughs> would they, just oh, would him, they allow him to have? You know what? Tickets? You just make that part of the deal. I get season tickets for life, <laughs> forever. Yep. That, that, a suite, yep. not just. We, we, I want a whole suite. A suite. Yeah, we, that's part of the deal. That would make sense if you if you are that desperately needed to be involved in in anything yeah. commander uh, related. I just think that at some point. You know, he's going to have to look in the mirror, which I think people who have tons of money don't do very mm-hmm. often because they have so many people, as you said, around them that tell them exactly what they want to hear. And then if you don't tell them what they want to hear, they remove you from their life and they don't deal yeah. with you. And so uh, at some point, he's going to have to make a decision to get rid of uh, to to move this franchise and, and move remove himself yeah. from the franchise. And at the end of the day. There was a legacy. We heard the song, and there was nothing like RFK shaking when that team, coached by Joe Gibbs, was great, and the Hogs were an iconic offensive line, one of the most iconic offensive lines in the history of the league. And Jacoby and May and Riggins and Dean and Walker, that's the legacy, and they don't want to be associated with Dan Snyder. So good for them at the end of the day. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch, and Matthew will have rock and roll for us here on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Carrie, Randy, Matthew, and Rock 
and Roll here on 101 ESPN. What do you got for us, Rock? Well, uh, yesterday was a, a surprising upset in the NBA. Uh, Vegas kind of saw it coming, though. The Milwaukee Bucks, obviously, uh, one of the best teams in the East. Without Chris Middleton, they've been struggling a little bit. But going against a, a you know, almost tanking Chicago Bulls team. I thought it was a little surprising that Milwaukee was only favored by two and a half points going into last night. I thought that was easy money. Well, it didn't go too well for the Bucks. They actually ended up losing the game, but at one point they were leading. In fact, it was six minutes left in the game. They had a 66-62 win or 62 lead over the Chicago Bulls, and that was when Milwaukee Bucks guard Grayson Allen came off a screen, set another one on, on, on Bulls guard DeMar DeRozan, and instead of setting a screen, kind of just pushed him over and threw an elbow into his back. Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen, yes. Shockingly enough. Well, essentially, <laughs> your guys' reaction was kind of similar to NBC uh, NBA on NBC broadcasters Adam Amin and former NB- and former Bulls guard Stacey King. Here was their immediate response when Grayson Allen uh, ran into and pushed down and knocked down Demar Derozan. Man. This is why people have a problem with Grayson. Let Allen. me tell you something. Somebody needs to give him a two-piece. I guarantee he'll stop doing that. Somebody pop him upside his head a couple times. He'll stop doing that because he's getting away with this too much. Constantly. He does this all the time. And look at his teammates. They know what's going on. They know what's going on. He's got a history. That what he did to Alex Caruso last year was, a dirty, was dirty. And it turned the bull. Apolo- you can it, apologize yeah. for it as often as you, you want. You can send a and card. I don't, I don't doubt yes. that, that there is some remorse in that guy for it. But Man, why do you none. keep doing things There's no remorse. over He's been and doing over it. and over? He's been doing it since Duke. Since Duke. He had four <laughs> different it. incidents at Duke. Watch this. He's had multiple incidents <laughs> in the like NBA. This. See, look. Boom. And he just adds that is completely unnecessary. <laughs> Former Bull Stacey King was the voice there on NBC Courtesy of NBC, who was saying, give him a two piece. Carrie Davis, we had a text earlier that said, Carrie Davis wakes up every day and chooses violence. Your <laughs> thought on Stacey King's suggestion there for the two piece for Gray Stacey Allen. King is a man after my own heart. I am, I am exactly on the same page as him. I do wake up and choose violence for people that choose violence as well. And so, therefore, if I were to play, this is what, so I enjoyed playing basketball, right? Growing up, I, that was my favorite thing to do. We played uh, Vashon in the playoffs one year, or, or leading to the playoffs, uh, leading, uh, yes, it was the playoffs. And they had a, a, a shooter named Joel Shelton, was one of the best shooters, best players that they, they, they had on their team. And what they did was they said, he was like the Steph Curry of, of the 1990s. <laughs> they, said, they said screens for him left and right. The first person that set a screen for, uh, for him that I had to guard, I ran right through him. Ran right through him and raised my hand. Yes, follow me. Ran right, and the rest of them moved out the way. If you are, if you want Grayson Allen to stop doing things, run right through him. Run right through him. Run right. Let him set a screen and stick your shoulder right into the bone, the sternum of his chest, and see if he wants to continue to play that way. And let him know because when you hit him in the sternum, that's the mm-hmm. that's the sound that he's going to make. And I guarantee you, hey man, stop doing that. We're sick of it. Not just me, not just my team, every team that plays against you. And at some point, it will stop. Well, and according to what those guys were saying, his, his own teammates too, right? It, it has to it has to come to a point where you 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 the NBA is not going to do anything. So now it's like you have no. to take justice into your own hands right, and, right. and and run through not something dirty, not pushing him in the back when he's making a layup, not what he did to Alex Caruso, nothing where he's going to be in the air and not being able to protect himself. Something where you maybe you come off a screen and your elbow gets up in his throat. I don't know. But something that forces him to make a decision 
that he is going to stop the madness. And you let him know, hey, that wasn't on accident. Keep on, and we're going to keep going. If you're Budenholzer or Giannis, don't you go to the guy and say, hey, you're putting a target on us. Giannis looks so annoyed by yeah. it. Like he literally got in the scrum and was like, let's not do this, and then walked away and was just like, Because I'm, I'm going all hockey on this, and if I'm a, a, a player on the other team, I'm not going after Grayson Allen. I'm going after Giannis. Well, you can't go after Giannis. Yes, you can. I, I I don't think you can go after that. That's because Giannis has nothing. It's not like it's not like baseball where you know you throw at their guy, we throw at your guy, and we let like you baseball. know. I I, w- I wouldn't want to do that because Giannis is a, is an innocent bystander. I know this. he is. But what you can do, I mean, you can you can let the coach know. Hey, y'all better mm-hmm. get him. Because if you mm-hmm. don't, we're going to do something. We will we will give you the threat of doing something yeah. to one of your guys yeah. because this guy is out of control. And at some point, at some point, I would just love for somebody to hit him as hard as they could yeah, and let the air fun. out of him. You got to let that. When you let the air out, Randy, it's one of the best feelings <laughs> in the world. I, I, I'm going to exaggerate. When you hit somebody and you... <laughs> You let the air out of them, and they <laughs> they trying to catch. Ooh, it's, it's not. There might not be a greater feeling. Patrick from Roadhouse. Jesus, you, I'm talking legal hits here. Yeah. I'm not talking. I'm not talking sneaking anybody. I'm not talking doing something illegal. Talk but when you days. run through them, and you and you can hear the air, it, it does something. <laughs> it's some endorphins are released okay. in your body, and you just you're good to go. Give us a name, a name that we would know of a victim. That 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 you, yeah, you got. Oh, I, I showed you the video. The, oh, yeah, the guy yeah, from yeah. from Darren Stone. If you you want to see the opening kickoff of the AFC Championship, two thousand eight, <laughs> the two thousand eight season, two thousand nine uh, year, just go watch that and see a young man. That was unbelievable. And, and Randy, my reaction was I was Glee? excited. I was joyful. I was. It was so much excitement in me. I wanted to do it more. I wanted. I tried to. I tried to hit Jim Leonard on a punt return, and he just ducked. I might have. I might have done the same thing to him. He got down just in time on the sideline. I just. I, I lunged. I dove for him. But yeah, it's, it, there is no greater feeling than when you hit someone legally mm-hmm. and. The, <laughs> Yeah, you can hear it go out of them. A, they, they'll get well, up. Back in the day, that was the joy of special teams. Now, yes. now they on. got they they don't let you run down. Now kickoff used to be a dangerous, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. The, the getting rid of the wedge Whoa. probably a smart move. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 listen, there move. was some people concussed yes. from from three hundred. They would put three hundred pound defensive linemen lock and linemen there and lock arms. That's how D first started his career. Oh, my God, you were wed, if you're a wedge buster mm-hmm. on that kickoff mm-hmm. in that era, mm-hmm. you were a man. Mm-hmm. Man of men, because that ain't a job that most people want to do. You know who's great at it? it? Was London Fletcher? Yeah, yeah. You know, so we were playing the Buccaneers one year, and because I had just came from the Buccaneers, Buccaneers a year earlier, I went to the hotel to see some of the guys, mm-hmm. and and the guys were like, "Hey, who is who is that ninety two on kickoff? Who is ninety two running?" Because James Harrison mm-hmm. wasn't starting yet. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Who is that?" I'll say, "Oh, we call him we call him Debo." He, he he has a problem. You you, you <laughs> might want to take care of yourself. <laughs> he's running down there, and anybody in his way, he's going to probably knock out. That's beautiful. Just good luck. I want to throw out one little piece of companion audio because he Demar Derozan was asked uh, after the game his thoughts on the play because it really wasn't in and of itself the dirtiest play you've ever seen. But he his take on it and why they react the way he is, I thought it was perfect. It's track record. You know, if it was um, Boban, you know, I wouldn't have did nothing. You know, but... And you hear their track record, but I also just like that he threw out Boban Marjanovic, who might be the most beloved player the in the nicest in the guy in the league. Which is why my favorite thing ever <laughs> is, if you don't know this, is that Boban Marjanovic uh, had a guest part in the most recent John Wick movie. 
I did. He's see the that. guy who attacks John Wick in the library that John Wick kills by like shoving a book in his mouth and then like kicking it really hard. That's Bobar Marjanovic. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, John Wick, John Wick been, kills been somebody in that while. movie. Spoiler alert. And if you ever want to dive into some fun non on the court NBA stuff, does the dog survive? Look up what? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think the dog made it. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Just look up Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic. They have the coolest friendship in the NBA. It was legitimately sad when they got traded to different teams. So. Yeah. Yeah, they, that was a tough time for them. Hey, this is uh, our Friday Eve. Tomorrow, we've got Friday. We're working. Working an extra hour. And we have yeah, we week. are. We'll, yeah. But we will be back at it tomorrow. And then Thanks, we're off on Monday, January <laughs> 2nd. By the way, January 2nd, uh, we're going to have a memorial service for Demetrius Johnson over at Chaffetz. And that will take place at 1 o'clock. So uh, you want the doors open at noon at Chaffetz Arena on Monday. So if you want to be part of uh, that ceremony, uh, we would love to see you there. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD. My man. It sounds better when you than the yeah. clip I got anyway. I think so. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, for new one. and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.